before we get there, yeah. I just wanted to say I am 99.9% sure now that we do live in a simulation because I am drunk, yes. but... you're listening to the good the bad and the funny the podcast where every week we tell three stories one good one bad and one funny i'm your host jesse mcintyre and a funny fact about me is i can pop my big toes indefinitely oh do you guys want to see no yeah you're gonna see shut up no no stop don't take your shoes off it's it's gonna happen don't take your shoes off ew ew oh god wow Ew, it keeps going. Stop. Put it away. I Put said indefinitely. Oh, yeah, we don't Jesus. need you to do it forever, though. <laughs> okay. I'm your other host, Lynette Thomas. And what am I? I did a horrible person. Good. Good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I'm your other host, Lynette Thomas. And a good fact about me is I have two children, and I don't beat them, even though I want Physically. I've seen you beat them emotionally, though. I do not beat them emotionally. They beat me and others emotionally, if uh, anything. Th- those children are sweet saints. They're God's gifts to earth, and you are not nice to them. The other... So. I am your other other host, and um, a bad... No, wait. What's your name, though? Oh, my name's Stacy Stark. Thank oh. you, Stacy. Nice to meet you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and, Thanks uh, for being here. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> a bad fact about me is that I do not know how to show empathy. I feel empathy, I think, maybe even more than a lot of people. Are you an empath? I don't know, but I, but I, I don't know how to show empathy. Like, if someone tells me, like, about something bad that happened to them, the best I can do is be like, oh, man, that sucks. That, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's very accurate. Hell yeah. Good for you, dude. All right. Are we ready? Uh, Umpire, Stacy. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Let's get this show on the road. I'm good. All right, guys. The story that we're going to be discussing today um, is still like an ongoing investigation, uh, and it involves some like powerful players, so... Uh, I guess I have to blanket everything I say with allegedly, although the a majority of it is proven. I don't think that's how allegedly Wait. works, but let's go. Is this something that's like prominent in the media right now? No. Oh, okay. So we're going to be talking about the story of the boys on the tracks. Ooh. Um, oh, I've seen Stand By Me. <laughs> that's the right movie, right? <laughs> Did I do that right? Yeah. Yes. Honestly, I think any 80s movie is technically yeah, a Boys yeah, on the yeah. Track movie, right? Lost Boys. Uh... <laughs> Which ones don't have tracks? The boxcar kids? That's what? Is that, is That's that literally. A... Do you know what a boxcar is? That's what I was joking. Oh. Sorry. I know someone who uh, was being accused of being a pedophile and killed himself on a train. Good for him. Thank God. Jesus Christ. He was like 18. Oh, was he not an actual pedophile? No, I well, think he probably was be if he killed himself over it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so good for pretty, him. Yeah. Um, good riddance. I think all pedophiles should die. Okay. Um, so on an August night in, eight, in 1987, two boys, Don Henry and Kevin Ives, uh, died when they were hit by a train in Saline County, Arkansas. The thing is, um, 
medical examinations revealed that the boys were murdered prior to their bodies being placed onto the tracks. Dun, dun, dun. Train conductors. So when the train was coming towards the bodies, the train conductor saw that there was something on the tracks. What mm-hmm. they described as two boys sleeping on the tracks with a tarp placed over them. So how could he tell that it was boys if the tarp was over them? Was it not? Covering I don't think heads? it was covering their heads. That seems strange. I feel like if anything, you would cover their heads, too. Yeah. Maybe the tarp just wasn't big enough. Maybe. You know? Yeah. Okay. So. They uh, so when they hit the boys, so trains hit a lot of things. Um, and people often uh, do suicide by train like that, like that guy you mentioned did. And when you hit something alive, when a train hits something alive, it explodes. And when mm-hmm. it does, it like explodes blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. Red blood. But when they hit... As opposed to... I'm about to go into it. When they hit the boys, the blood was purple and thick, Mm -hmm. which denotes that Uh, they they were already dead mm -hmm. before their blood began to coagulate and no oxygen was coming in, and that's Mm -hmm. why it turns like purpley. Okay, so so they noted that. Um, Then... The the train conductors eventually like get the train to stop and they call the police and the first responders and the first responders responded. Um, <laughs> the yeah. M and the EMTs also made a note that the thick about the thick purple blood and um, and write that the kids were already dead uh, before uh, before their before they were placed on the tracks. Police I mean, you could also guess because of the tarp if they were under a tarp. Yeah, maybe they were just taking a nice little nap. Yeah, that doesn't happen. A little tarp nap. Mm. As one does. As one does. Uh, The police, however, treated it like like accidental deaths on the train tracks. Um, They lost the tarp and to this day just claimed that the tarp was hallucinated by the train conductors, Mm -hmm. which is like, okay. They said they saw two boys laying on the track. But they all hallucinated a tarp. tarp. Like, okay. Can I make a prediction? Mm -hmm. Uh, The police are acting all like they don't know things because they're the ones who did it. All right. Prediction made. I think it was the train conductor. So back to the police. So they pretended the tarp wasn't there. They also, like, scooped up everything at (laughs) at the crime scene in such a haste that they left one of the boys' foot there. Just a foot. Just yeah. a foot. Wow. Just there on, on the track. Just, just kicking it, if you will. So a little bit about the boys. Henry and um, Henry and Ives were best friends. One was 16, one was 17. Um, they had been best friends throughout their childhood. Uh, they left their houses around midnight with their, their parents knew. They left their house around midnight because they went to go spotlighting. Uh, does any white want to tell me what that is? I don't mm-hmm. know. Wait, they were what? This is not a brand of white I'm familiar with. The, the two boys were spotlighting. Is it a sex thing? It is not spotlighting um it's it's when you are you work in a theater and you run the spotlight that's so cute that's okay yeah um no spotlighting is a hunting practice where you hunt in the middle of the night and one person holds the flashlight and if they catch sight of whatever animal then the other person has the rifle and they're and oh, they're there okay. to, to shoot so that's why they left so it's just hunting at night it's just hunting at night <laughs> So they left, uh, but they made it sound cool. You're going spotlighting yeah, or gay. Yeah, <laughs> it, probably both. Why not both? Yeah, why not both? Cool and gay. 
Um, so anyway, their family knew that they had left. The train hit the boys at 4 a.m. So what happened between midnight when they and left four. their house and 4 a.m.? Goddamn. After the families were notified <clears throat> and funerals were held, the state hired... Um, How fast does blood coagulate? Pretty fast. Because there's no oxygen coming into your body. Well, I mean, obviously, four hours. The... Like, that's crazy. I just didn't realize it was that fast. Well, that's it starts, crazy. It starts happening when you stop breathing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's just nuts. Um, so, so after the, so like I said, the EMTs noted that the boys had, were already dead. The train conductors noted boys are already dead. After the families were notified and funerals were held, the state hired their own medical examiner who stated that the boys died because they had smoked so much marijuana, they couldn't see or hear the train coming. They said, and this is a particular medical examiner who was actually really funny because he's noted as botching all of these medical Ah. examinations during the time his name was it was malik so anyway he said that they smoked 20 marijuana cigarettes and (laughs) fell asleep on the tracks and then and then it was just so loopy on marijuana that they didn't hear amongst us has not smoked 20 marijuana cigarettes and then played directly on train tracks tracks. that's that's a tuesday night for me and my friends yes Okay. The it is also noted that the rifle that the boys were hunting with was also laid on the train tracks uh, with them and was smushed by the train. Okay. Um, the family chose obviously not to go with what this dude was fucking saying, so they hired their own medical examiners. They hired two medical examiners to investigate. That cannot be cheap. One. One of the investigators stated, I mean, they were rich enough. I feel like only rich people have like 16 and 17 year old sons who <laughs> they trust to go hunting in the middle of the, of the night. I don't know why that correlation is in my brain, but like to th- be that carefree about your children to me. It's either like you're either super duper rich or crazy poor. And yeah. I feel like there's no in between <laughs> yeah. there, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. We need food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. go hunt to deer at midnight. Um, anyway, so they hired two other medical uh, examiners. One stated that one of the boys uh, suffered extreme blunt force trauma. Basically, his head was caved in. Jesus. Um, and the other had been stabbed repeatedly. They also stated that the uh, remainders of the boys. So, so basically, what these medical examiners were able to gather was just the head and the torso of the boys. God damn. Right? Wow. Um, and they stated that Malik, uh, the, the state's examiner, had sawed and mangled the, their, the rest of their bodies so much that they couldn't do any further examinations of the boys. <clears throat> So, quick question: Are, What what is the race of these two boys? They're I just, white. Okay, I feel like it's an important question when we're dealing with the criminal justice when, system. When yeah. people started questioning Malik about his bad medical examination, he said that people were just being racist because he was Egyptian, uh, <laughs> which I I thought was very funny, just because like Egyptian is one race. I'm not saying that Egyptians don't face broad middle eastern hate yeah but nobody, but nobody specifically, specifically hates egyptian <laughs> it's they think you're like it's saudi or like happening. afghani or some yeah shit, it's right just, it's not happening dude i'm sorry um so the families of the boys were super outspoken outspoken in the community trying to seek justice for their son linda ives specifically um the the mother of of the Ives boy was like would literally just like stand in public squares and be like 
this medical examiner's fucked up. They're not fucking doing their jobs. Good whatever. Her. Like just Fuck yeah. yelling at the top of her fucking What else fucking is she going to do, you know? So the local prosecutor <clears throat> approached, his name was Dan Harmon. Um, he, approached, <laughs> he approached. We don't claim him. So Dan Harmon approached uh, Linda Ives and basically said, if you stop being mean to us, we'll open up an investigation what about the, the case. What the fuck? And if you, if you just stop running your fucking mouth, we'll and, look into it. And was like, hey, um, we will do, and then promise her, we will do whatever in our power to make sure whoever killed your son and the other one's son is brought to justice. Dan Harmon and the police department tried to find witnesses, and they actually do find witnesses that were there, right? Um, Keith Conning, one of the first witnesses to come forward, he came forward, told his story. Um, he was another young boy and said he was with with boys the night of the of the murder and was out there by the train tracks. Then a few days later, Keith was killed in a motorcycle accident. According to witnesses, he was run off the road by an unknown car. And according to some, his autopsy revealed that he had his throat slit. But that is allegedly the throat slitting part. Okay. He did die in a motorcycle accident. But allegedly his throat was slit. And allegedly he was run off the car, uh, run off the road by. Well, how could it be car. both? Look, he either died because his throat was slit I, or he died. In a- I think that they were saying that he did not die in the motorcycle accident. And then somebody, one of the people who came to clean up the motorcycle accident, slit his throat. Okay. That's crazy. Gotcha. Um, Another witness came forward a couple of months later. His name was Keith McCastle. McCastle also claimed to be there the night of the murder. After giving his testimony, he began to flip out and was convinced something was going to happen to him. He gave away all of his possessions and said said his goodbyes. He planned his funeral and told his his family that he was planning out his funeral because they he was going to be dying soon. Um, in November of 1988, he was found stabbed to death, uh, and he was stabbed more than 113 God times damn. in his garage. McCastle's neighbor said he saw five men enter McCastle's house with masks and murder him. That neighbor was charged with his murder. <laughs> You're fucking kidding me. I'm not Just fucking kidding you. Just because he said he did it? Just because he said, hey, five people came in, I saw them murder him, and then they charged him with oh. his neighbor's murder. Sorry, I heard that backwards. I get it now. Okay. Three months later, another witness, Greg Collins, had been um, shot three times in the face and died. Three months after that, uh, after Collins was shot in the face, um, another witness, Bonnie Bearden, went missing. Uh, she was never found. Three months after that, Jeff Rhodes, another witness, uh, his body, he went missing, and then his body was found in a landfill, burning later on. Jesus. Three months after that, a man named Richard Winters came forward and was eventually found in his house decapitated with his head missing. Now, when this isn't funny, but when Richard, uh, when Richard Winter dies, the, the, medical examiner that comes to examine him is Malik again, right? So Dude, Malik it was 20 comes, marijuana cigarettes. Malik comes and Fell says... Fell asleep on top of his knife. No, it's it's even better. Malik comes and says that he, he, um, he died from a stomach ulcer 
and that his dog ate his whole head. Including the skull and everything? Including everything. Yo, I want to be a fly on the wall when this dude walks in. I've seen this a million times before. This guy had a stomach ulcer, and his dog ate his head. Did I do the Egyptian accent? You did. Right? You did great. Right. You did great. <laughs> and then, and then, um, and then later, Winter's head turned up in a trash can. Okay. And, and, well, the dog was done with Malik it. And Malik said, "Oh, he must have threw it." <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <sighs> okay, let's keep going. How could you be uh, so? Is that is that the one that's unelected, or is that appointed? A prosecutor? No, uh, he's the the state examiner. Yeah, he is. He is uh, appointed. A state's examiner is yeah. appointed. But the uh, so I'm thinking of the coroner. Coroner's elected, correct? Right? Mm-hmm. But to my but so uh, you don't need to be qualified for either that's, position, is what you're telling yeah, me. That's what I was that is say. true. That is true. That is clearly true. like that's fucked. Mm-hmm. Um. So after the first two witnesses uh, died, the police shut down the case, which is like suspicious because. If your witnesses are dying, you're going to want to keep this fucking case going. Okay, let's keep going. You said, Stacy, you said the thing. And it's, you might be right. That's always what it is. That is always what it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Every story of the good, the bad, and the funny results to, it was the fucking cops. Corruption. <laughs> the call was coming from inside the house. No, I'm just saying, like, if, you know, that shit is happening where they're, like, botching the investigation from the beginning. Yeah. The police are in on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, um, so they shut down the case after the first two witnesses died. This was after they had convened a grand jury to go over the evidence so far to see if a trial or if the investigation was necessitated, basically. Um, when they shut down the investigation, uh, they ordered the grand jury to never speak about what they the evidence that they had seen so far which so far which uh, a lot of them disagreed with the members of the grand jury saying that people need to know the things that they discovered but yeah they record order never to talk about it in comes gene duffy gene duffy was uh the head of the drug task force in salem county on or i'm sorry saline county on her first day, a superior told her never to use the task force to investigate any public officials. So she was basically like, so you definitely want me. So I'm definitely so that's going. That's what I should be doing, so right? Yeah. very much going to investigate these people. Good on her. So her informants um, began to tell her that the drug ring in the county was connected to the death of the boys. She finds a witness and Dan Harmon, when she so because everything has to go up the train of chain of command, you can't just be a police officer, find a witness, and not put that shit in record, and higher ups not find out about it, right? Mm. So she finds a witness, she does her report, does the paperwork on it, is about to go and and um, and and, uh, and and talk to the witness, but. Dan Harmon starts a spear campaign about her and basically buys out like a local newspaper. So Dan Harmon, the guy who told the family he's definitely going to look for this, who is responsible for the death of the kids. Basically, um, immediately after Gene Duffy finds a finds a witness, 
he starts just basically smearing her like a whole smear campaign in various newspapers and eventually uh, gets her ran out of Arkansas. It like makes her quit her job and gets her ran out of Arkansas. He's probably the one who did it. So after. um, I think Stacy might be right. Listen to the damn story. (laughs) Good grief. So um, like it's okay that you're making these assumptions because it's like so much worse than that. Um, okay, so wait, so we're talking about the Truman Show, right? So after yeah. after this, um, five years later, the family gets the case reopened by a uh, by an investigator named John Brown. Um, he's the new like that's a great name for an lead investigator. Invest- absolutely, he's a new lead investigator in the county. Um, he says when he gets assigned the case. Uh, a superior of his tells him he wants to take him on a ride. They ride around for an hour and he basically says, you need to drop this case. Like basically he starts with being like, oh, this case is unsolvable. Like we've tried and da, da, da. But then towards the end of this hour long car ride, he basically was like, drop the case. You have to drop the case. Who's saying this, Dan Harmon? No, no, this is just a superior of John Brown's. Oh, Brown eventually finds the same witness that Gene Duffy had found. Uh, and Dan Harmon comes out and basically threatens Brown and his police force and says if they pursue their lead, he that they would all lose their jobs. I can't um, believe the creator of Community would do this. <laughs> That's so fucked up. Abed would be so, so disappointed. So Brown goes and he goes to look at the evidence that they've gathered so far in the case, right? And he finds that... Files upon files upon files have just been dis- just disappeared, and that the Shock. remaining evidence that's there has all been redacted, heavily redacted, just blacked out. Right? Okay. You can still read it if you hold it up to the light. That's not how that's- redaction works at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to talk about what these witnesses actually told. Okay. So Charlene Wilson is she was an ex drug addict who had been arrested for possession of heroin. Can't trust her. Now now she'd been arrested by Dan Harmon for possession of heroin and she says that it was planted on her. But she is an ex drug addict. She's um she was currently serving time. Um and um, she claims to have been in a group of five people looking for a drug pickup that ran into two boys hunting. For fear of being discovered, the five, the five killed the boys and placed them on the train tracks. She claims the leader of the five was Dan Harmon. Mm. Brown um, found a... Co- so, okay, so, so basically, because Dan Harmon had put this, uh, this lady in jail... Although what she's saying is probably true, they can't take this. John Brown can't do anything with this because it's a drug addict who was put in jail by the dude she's accusing. So, like, it's not going to hold water mm. in court. Do you like, think it's not it's, credible? Do you think it was true, though? I'm about to tell you that. Okay. So then Dan finds another cooperating witness that nobody had found before. Not not Dan, uh, Brown. Right. Brown finds another cooperating witness that nobody had found before. 
He found a kid who was 12 years old at the time of the murder, but now 17. So he finds this this kid who basically said he was in another group of children who were out at the tracks that night trying to find weed. Okay. And um, they they hear that that group of five coming, so they all kind of the the friends all scurry and hide, but. Um, this kid stays in like peaks at what's going on. He sees the five come across the the field, and then he sees the two boys see them and like run away. Then he hears Dan Harmon, who he knows is Dan Harmon because his mom has had been dating Dan Harmon at sure. this time. I'm assuming so this is a relatively small town. Yes. Yeah. So he sees Dan Harmon tell the boys, "You need to get back here right now." Then the boys walk over to them with their rifle. The boy says he looks away to say something to his friend, and when he and uh, and then he hears a a gunshot like from the rifle that the boys had. He hears a gunshot, and then he sees the boys running away. Okay, Uh, let's talk about the other people. Um, So so fucked up. So so Keith Connors, which was that first witness that came forward, the first boy that said he was out there, he was not. He was actually with this second group of boys that were out looking for marijuana. Mm -hmm. When he came forward with his testimony, he was killed. Keith McCastle, the second dude that came forward that was scared that he was going to die, was with the five, the group of five that killed the fucking kid. Right. This is why we need to legalize weed. I think this is this is the moral of the This story, isn't right? about weed though. What is about? I'm about to tell you. Oh shit. Okay. So, so now that we know the, the like the P, okay, so then um I guess I'll just let it let it out the, the story of what actually happened that night. Is this confirmed actually happened or is this this is what I, allegedly happened? This is what allegedly happened, but this is kind of all of these pieces put together. Sure. So, the um, the five were out. They were looking for a drug pickup. Um, the, led by Dan Harmon. Um, the Charlene Wilson was there. Keith McCastle was there. And there were clearly two other people that were there who we'll discuss here in a second. Um, so they were all there. Then the boys come walking up. Uh, they see them get freaked out, probably because Dan Harmon has been terrorizing people in his community for a long time. They go to run away. Dan tells the boys to come back. There is probably an argument and words. Then the boys, scared, shot at them, at the group of five. And then they ran away. The other two guys that were in this group of five chased after the boys. Now let's get back to, because there was like six to seven witnesses that were killed. We know that the two witnesses that were killed, one was in one was the boy that was with the other group of boys, one was in the group of five. Mm-hmm. But the other ones worked at a gas station. The boys ran to a gas station. Mm-hmm. The two other people in the party of five drove to that gas station, told the boys to get in the car, beat the shit out of the boys in the car, um, and then... By the time, according to Charlene Wilson, by the time they got back up there to the train tracks, the boys were dead, having been beaten and stabbed to death in the car. And then they placed them on the tracks. Okay. So let's talk about Barry Seal. 
Who the fuck is Barry Seal? <laughs> Can I just say something yeah. first? You know what would have been better than uh, murdering people? Uh, just risking that you might get caught for drugs. Well, this we're going to talk about why that can't be the case. Okay. Let's talk about Barry Seal. Barry Seal was an American. Also a great name. Barry Seal was a pilot, and he was a pilot. He sounds like a pilot. There was a there was a movie Tom Cruise starred in named after that was about him. <gasps> Top Gun. Oh shit! It's called American Made. Oh, Tom Cruise was in Top Gun though too, right? He was. Yeah. I was thinking of Tom Hanks actually. I was thinking of the listen. Like- I'm the captain now, but that's a no. ship, not a plane. Cur- Jesus. Jesse, I honestly, I want to do a compilation of you misremembering <laughs> this podcast because it's a lot. It's always like, oh, no, I was actually thinking Gary about Gary Coleman this. was on. <laughs> okay, so so Barry Seal ran drugs from South America to the United States, and he, and he dropped his drugs for his drug ring. He dropped his drugs in Arkansas. Hell yeah. Because. Because they need him the most. <laughs> Because <laughs> Arkansas sucks. Because um, um, because all the officials were in on, on sure. the operation. Seal died a year before the boys died. The singer, but his opera. So Seal died a year before the boys died, but his operation did not go away um, because it was too fucking lucrative. Yeah. So what basically Seal had a team of pilots. Um, who kept this up? But they they would like fly in low, no lights on, over Arkansas, and then drop their packages. And it has been confirmed, actually real deal confirmed that that those train tracks were one of the locations these pilots would drop their cocaine packages. In addendum to this, Dan Harmon um, was arrested for drug trafficking twice: one in 1996 and one in 2010. Um, so like, I mean, wait, when did all of this story occur? What year is that? Um, it was in 1988. Okay. So he got arrested for drug trafficking after. Correct. So he was arrested for drug trafficking twice. Additionally, one, his, uh, compatriot, like his partner that was helping him, like it was like, like the assistant prosecutor guy, um, that worked directly under Dan Harmon was a guy named Richard Garrett. Unsolved Mysteries covered a story, covered the Boys on the Track story, uh, back when when Dan Harmon was doing the that first investigation that they eventually mm-hmm. shut down. So Unsolved Mysteries covered the story and told people that if they had any information to call Richard Garrett. Richard Garrett then, um, well, okay, allegedly, but the people who called him with information uh, received death threats by phone call. So, <laughs> first off, okay, I have two comments. Yeah, that line was supposed to be anonymous. And second, does allegedly still work if you do air quotes around it? <laughs> yes. Um. So Richard Garrett is also the person that Keith McCastle was was told to speak to to come forward about his story. Um. And Keith McCastle is the guy that was scared immediately after talking to the police that something bad was going to happen to him. He was talking to Richard Garrett. So the two guys, um, the two guys that followed the boys to the gas station and basically the ones that actually killed the boys were two guys named Jake Campbell and Kirk Lane. Both of them were police officers. 
years after, this is probably in like the early 2000s, the show Obstruction of Justice flat out said that these were the two lead suspects in the death of these boys. Sure. Jay uh, Campbell and Kirk Lane were still working as police officers at this time and then tried to sue the show, right, in civil court for defamation. And they lost the defamation trial because they were, they basically said, you are literally the only two people who could have fucking killed these boys. Okay. Jake Campbell. So wait, did they go to prison for murder? No, they can't. It's a civil, it's a civil lawsuit. Like, civilly, we've admitted that the, that the government killed Martin Luther King. Nobody went to jail for that. But civilly, like in civil, you know, court. Sure. Wait, I thought John Wilkes Booth went to jail for that. No, and I won't. And I will not. And I refuse. Can I? Absolutely not. That was a joke. No. You were dead on. No. It was a joke about me. Open your third eye. She's right. Okay. (laughs) Your third eye. (laughs) Okay. Um, Jake Campbell eventually uh, went to to jail for sex trafficking while he was a police officer, though. Jesus. Um, the, this case uh, of the boys on the tracks has been opened and closed nine times. Also, in addendum, this is kind of all just in an in an in addendum to just fill in like the holes or any doubt that this this fucking conspiracy in Arkansas what is what doubt, this, my dude? These boys, you but, painted a pretty crystal but, clear <laughs> picture. But Richard Richard Garrett eventually sold his house. And when he sold his house, the people who bought it discovered a meth lab he, <laughs> he was running. Don't in, look in the shed. In his house. And they told police and police just said, hey, uh, just throw it all away. Um, we'll help you throw everything away. We're almost done here. Jesus um, Christ. The FBI, CIA, and DEA have all run separate investigations, and all of these administrations have come to the basic point that Dan Harmon and his compatriots um, were responsible for the deaths of these boys. But nobody was ever put in prison. And this is probably why. All of the higher up officials in Arkansas were involved in getting rich off of this drug trafficking ring. And when Charlene does her testimony in jail, she says that the testimony that she gave, the record that she gave, she only gave because the police came and basically threatened her and said that she could only name Dan Harmon in this so and that dan Harmon is the only person out of these officials that we know were like running a drug ring in arkansas he's the only person that went to prison um of the higher up officials uh he was probably just the fall guy and there's larger implications which is why nobody's actually seen jail for what happened to these boys because to reveal that they would have to reveal all the other all the other officials that were um, that were involved in it. And um, the the icing on this whole fucking this whole fucking cake is like, remember how I said that all of these uh, all of these papers were heavily redacted. Mm -hmm. So of 
of the about 60,000 files that they, that are of this, like on this case, um, only 20,000, or I'm sorry, only 2,000 have been released to the public, all heavily redacted. Now, I just, look, this is the biggest allegedly of all, but I just want to say, um, I feel like, and most people who know this story feel like the reason why this is so heavily censored and redacted, and that the although that the FBI, CIA, and DEA all looked into this, and nobody's willing to point the finger or expose any of the stuff, is because the governor of Arkansas at that time was one Bill fucking Clinton, who was probably implicated in. There's this no mass way in conspiracy. hell that that was uh, that entire organization allegedly. Allegedly. I, allegedly. This allegedly. entire thing is just to fuel Bill Clinton's cocaine habit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's... That that's man played ta- sax too fucking good to not be on coke. He didn't really play He really did not. Good. He really didn't. Dude, that's so crazy. I... <clears throat> This is such a screwed up world that we live in that he became president after that happened. Yep. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, the story of Barry Seal, it is known that this guy ran drugs through Arkansas because the officials were in on his operation. You're not, and like that these, that eight people died in this story alone and all of this cover up and you're, there's no way that you're not, that, that I'm going to believe this doesn't For have sure. shit to do with fucking Bill Clinton. And I'm not even a Clinton conspiracy theorist, but you know man, really it funny? lines you're, up too good. You you're really good at, you're really good at that. Cause uh, just to... about the time I was like, I, who, wait, who was the governor? Who was the governor of our, you were like Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist of any sort to know that Bill Clinton was a piece of shit. Yeah, Fair. but I'm saying that. So there's a lot of people that make false al- accusations about the Clintons, and I don't ever want to be in the camp with those fucking crazies. Right, because they've um, done enough bad things of their own. Of their uh, yes, yeah, of their like, own fucking um, you know. But like, but this is this one. It's like nah, nah, nah. They did that shit. They at least had a par- had a no. Had yeah, a, they they, they knew turned, of at that the very shit. least turned a blind eye. Yeah, right? at the very least. So you, you know what's crazy? I've definitely listened to a podcast Allegedly. where they dissected this entire story, and I don't remember Bill Clinton being involved. Because most people, because they, like I don't think a lot of people put Bill Clinton in it because it's it's like six degrees of separation. Like it's just so far removed. But he was the governor, and we do know higher up officials, public officials, are were involved in this ring. Like I can't say for certain. Hey, Bill Clinton actually had something he, to do when with did this. He run for president. It was '92, correct? So this would have he would have probably been at the very least like cooking up his campaign. Correct. Right. Well, I mean, so this stuff happened, and the boys died, um, in I want to say it was like '80, 80, '87. So at the very least, he had presidential aspirations. At the very that. least, he had presidential aspirations. At the very least. So that's my story. Wow. This is why I could never be in politics. I'm not shady enough. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why. (laughs) I wasn't being sarcastic. I was being accurate. You're not. I couldn't do it either. I'm too fucking odd. Like, there's no fucking way. I could do it. Yeah, right. You you put me in a position of power. (laughs) Right now, I will hand deliver you two dead kids on a train track (laughs) and a kilo of cocaine. 
It's like you killed eight <laughs> people though. Like stuff. that's how that's how I feel. That's how I know that the shit, like, it stunk from the highest For order. Sure. For sure. And I also found it very interesting that Dan Harmon put Charlene in jail clearly to break her credibility. Allegedly. But also, um, but also, he kind of fucked up when he put her in jail because he couldn't then kill her. Mm. So like. So like that's why he had to like that's he kind of fucking told on himself because he kept going after the people who was like found out right. about Charlene and like but he couldn't kill her because he had already put her in jail. Mm. Wild. Crazy. That's uh fucking that was kind of depressing. Yeah, it's yeah, it was a bad story, man. We have to do we have to stop uh doing uh, so many stories about our broken political injustice what other stories are there that i feel like everything leads back to to either had white supremacy capitalism or corruption (laughs) all around it's stacy stacy's the one who's saving this podcast from being political but apparently her story this week is also pretty spicy stacy stark why don't you spin us a yarn I will in a minute. I have to pee, but I just want to say. Damn, first, your bowels are going I also wild have to, today. Wait, bowels? That's not where pee comes from. Pee is stored my, in balls, not the bowels. My pee comes from. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Although, f- yesterday I took a shit and then I also peed, but I was like not expecting to pee. And I was like, God, I hope that is pee. You know what I mean? Because I couldn't really tell where it was coming from. All right. Well, you've been listening to The Good, The Bad, The Funny. <laughs> Anyway, I, I, I had a hard time again this week because I had the good mm-hmm. and I uh, just, you know, I don't want to give anything away, but that's that's what it was. And uh, and I found a story that I was like, well, you know, this is this is pretty good. Uh, but then the more I learned, the worse it got. Mm, yeah. Um, so that's how I was with the Killdozer story. Yeah, most of my stories that, I, especially for like the funny, like I'll I'll pull the funny, but like, oh, this will be a great story, and then it's just terrible. Um, I'm I'm only going to like mostly focus on the good things, um, but maybe at a later time, I or if one of you guys is inspired, there's a lot of bad. As that well. could be really interesting, actually. Oh yeah, could, if we did an addendum to your story. Or just like the same Kinda story like from that. a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah. All right. This week, my white woman. Not this again. Is Lucille Ball. Oh, oh love I'm, Lucille I'm into this Ball. One. Um, all right. So she was born uh, in Jamestown, New York. Uh, her dad died of typhoid fever when she was three. And she said that she remembers that day. Um, she said she was giving her mom grief and she was cr- like her mom was crying and she didn't really understand, you know, like why her mom was crying. And um, a picture fell off the wall and a bird flew in the window. And ever since then, she's been superstitious about birds because that's like right when her dad died. Interesting. Yeah. He just became the bird. His Maybe. soul was escaping. That's possible. Uh, her mom um, eventually got remarried. And... Rude. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, she she asked the, the guy, she was like, are you going to be my new daddy? And he said, you can call me Ed. 
Jesus. Yeah. So that's pretty shitty. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to be marrying some kid's mom, you should be wanting to be a part of the family. Anyway, she saw a vaudeville act uh, when she was a kid, and she was like, oh man, I want to do that. And uh, her grandpa uh, basically was like, like, nah, you shouldn't want to do a vaudeville act. You should uh, want to just like be an actress. And he was like, there's this monologist that you should go see. And um, what does that mean? It was like a a performer back in the day where they just did monologues. Oh, because I thought it was like a guy to teach you how to be a man. Right. <laughs> uh, she she did go and see the monologist and she was like, oh, man, uh, everyone like laughed and cried. And there were times where you could like hear a pin drop. It was so great. And um, so then she was like, well, cool, you know. Yeah. Right. Oh, there's a child coming down the stairs. Which one is it? Huey. Huey. Hey, I can tell it was you. Hey, do you want to tell us a story for the podcast? Do you have a good story you can tell us? Or a fun fact? Yeah, can you tell us a fun fact? People don't know how Napoleon died. How did Napoleon die? I don't know how Napoleon died. (laughs) That was the fact. (laughs) Wait, can you you elaborate? I actually prefer it if he doesn't. that it was the arsenic on his, like, bed oh shit like near his like bedroom walls it's kind of like people who made hats used to deal with a lot of arsenic and that's why they went crazy that's where the term mad as a hatter comes from are there are there other theories like are is does anyone theorize like file foul play that he was like killed not not as i know of just stumbled on to that fact all right, I'll, I'll keep it in my pocket. Thank you. Well, that's been it for Huey's Fast Facts. <laughs> Tune in next week for more Huey's Fast Facts. All right, should I get back to my story? I guess. Uh, so now, at this point, she's a teenager. Let's say like 13, 14, maybe. Uh, and Are she we has... still talking about Paris Hilton? Stop. <laughs> uh, we are talking about Lucille Ball. Thank you. Um. And his name was Johnny. I did not care enough to write down his last name. I don't remember it. Carson? No. Be good. He wasn't famous, but other than dating Lucille Ball um, as a teenager. <laughs> but I'm he... going to have one claim to fame. Absolutely. I, would, I wouldn't be mad if it was being married to Lucille yeah, Ball. Yeah, not, not married, dating. They, they, dating, they still. They were children. Anyway, he and his dad... Time. Um, the, okay, this was the prohibition. No, well, era. children can't marry children. Children can marry adults. adults. What are you talking right. about? Sorry. This was the prohibition era, era, and he and his dad were um, like bootleg liquor salesmen. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah! So she had this bad boy boyfriend. Love that for her. Yeah, and um, the only thing that she <clears throat> was more passionate about than Johnny was wanting to be an actress. You know, that's such an on-the-nose bad boy boyfriend name. Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, Oh, Johnny. one of the just, like, most stereotypical (laughs) stories across the board. She's in love with this bad boy named Johnny, but she also wants to be an actress. Yeah. I'd watch that movie. (laughs) I I would, too. And um, so she asked her mom if she could go to this acting school in New York City, and... Uh, at this point, she was like 15, and her mom was like, yeah, totally, because it'll get you away from this Johnny character. Mm, that's right. 
And so she went to this school. Now I got to choose between Johnny and my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and a one and a two. And a two. <laughs> uh, she went to this acting school. And uh, who was there but none other than Betty Davis. Oh, nice. Oh. Who's Betty Davis? What? Who's that? Uh, she was just like a famous actress. There's like tons of songs about and shit. She was like hot or something, right? She had re- she had Betty Davis eyes. I think those were that's, that's about creepy. No, I think that it was, it was about <laughs> her eyes. Um, Betty Davis. I think I know who that is, but I can't. I think she was on the cover of Playboy at some point, if I'm not mistaken. This lady is not attractive, so. Did you look her up? Oh yeah. We're well. We're right also now. talking early Playboy. This is like the 1920s, 1930s. So yeah, everyone you, was ugly. Yes, what are you telling yeah, me? Yeah, pretty much. That's why, like, someone like Marilyn Monroe, who honestly kind of mid, like, was uh, regarded as like this like uh, earth-shattering beauty. You know? Are you looking at an, uh, pictures of an old woman, Lynette? No. <laughs> Okay. No. Look up Betty Davis. Betty Playboy. Davis looks like a bug. Look she up looks Betty pretty Davis right Playboy. there. Yeah, look up Betty, Betty Davis, Davis Playboy. Eyes, bug eyes. I'm gonna That's look not attractive. This lady looks like she is very cute in some. In oh, yeah, some I, see, pictures, I see what you're saying. She's all eyes. She's all eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Gosh. What movies I, were, was she in? I had a totally different idea in my head of what she looked like. Me too. And yeah, no. It's like she she's got she's got eyes, but the rest of her face isn't doing her any favors. But I know movies that she was in. I want to like I know I've seen this bitch in movies. I watched Turner's Classic. She's definitely got a weird droopy face. Uh, I was thinking of a different Betty Davis. It's very elongated. Like a horse? Not no. really like a horse. No, she looks like an insect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fucked up. But anyway, people weren't very attractive back then. It's true. So she was she was pretty good looking out of all of them. Like people talk about how hot Jackie Jackie O was. That bitch looks like she bites, Busted. dude. Oh. And not in a sexy way, like in a like a feral way yeah yeah like she eats crayons mm-hmm. dog absolutely absolutely like, wait who uh jackie o oh yeah she she definitely looks like et for sure <laughs> <clears throat> and she was in a movie with that looks like like rhett butler that's not his name but he plays rhett butler uh, in gone uh, with the wind oh god um clark gable yeah this isn't important. Can I get on with my story? Yeah, I just had to remember Jeez. Clark Gable real quick. Fine. Damn. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so she was going to this school with with Betty Davis, and she was very intimidated <laughs> by her. <laughs> what does that mean? Sorry. What? What is what? One of one of Bette Davis or uh, Betty Davis's movies is The Bride Came C O D. I just want to know what that means. The bride came COD? Yeah. Cause of death? The bride came cause of death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the bride, the bride came. came call of duty. <laughs> Modern <laughs> warfare too. I want to go with that. That's, that's fine. All right. Anyway. 
Um, so she she was super intimidated by Betty Davis. Crazy. Crazy. It is crazy because she's like way hotter than her. <laughs> she's like a yeah, like beautiful and hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, she ended up getting sent home because they didn't think she had what it takes. <gasps> That's how you know you have what it takes, you know. Yeah, for exactly. sure. But it, but it was because of Betty Davis where she like she just would like clam up and be like, I can't do anything. Yeah, I get that too. Can do. Yeah, but maybe you could do so much more. And she did. Is it whenever you're thinking about me in comparison to you as a stand up that you just like like <laughs> oh? And she she did do so much more because because you guys didn't really know who Betty Davis was, but you knew who Lucille Ball. Fuck yeah, I know who Lucille Ball is. All right. So anyway, Betty Davis wouldn't stuff enough chocolates in her face to vomit. No, Lucille. Ballwood. If Lucille Ball was on Playboy, well, I'd have snatched that shit up. Was 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 oh, she yeah. ever on, on the cover of Playboy? No, I don't think so. Can can you stop being a womanizer, Jesse? No, I can't. It's in my DNA. It's not. I'm not even the worst womanizer in this room right now. I just want to point that out. I just want to bring up that Betty Davis was not like in Playboy so much as. Betty Davis was interviewed by Playboy a lot. I I think I was uh, I was thinking of a different Betty Davis. There was a Betty Davis who was on the cover of uh, Playboy in 1980 something. Mm. 1982. That's mm-hmm. so weird. Ew. <laughs> That's so gross, Jesse. Did I knew that? Wait, she was in Playboy. No, Betty not Davis. that Betty Davis. Oh, different one. I feel like you don't get to be Betty Davis. Like, I don't know. Because I mean, she clearly chose that name for herself, right? You know, the Playboy mm-hmm. lady. And it's like, you don't get to do that. Well, may- I don't know. Maybe uh, her parents were really into, like, shitty vaudeville comedians or some shit. I'm sitting here talking mad shit about Betty Davis. I don't know goddamn <laughs> thing about her. She just looks like a bug, dude. That's it. Stacey, she looks like a story. goddamn oh, bug. She probably did have a different name. I didn't write down people's like alternative names for this because it's like whatever you know what i mean you're gonna know them you're gonna know them by their yeah name. by their stage That's name the second yeah. time i've said that this podcast what a fucking pretentious cunt you know what sucked my cock <laughs> anyway so she got sent home she got back together with johnny and good for johnny <laughs> <laughs> everything's coming up johnny <laughs> god damn it um i get to leave the razor sharks and to what? And to two. And. <laughs> but like over the next few years, between like fifteen and like twenty-one, uh, she was back and forth from Jamestown to NYC like a lot because she was still trying to like get gigs and like get work in New York mm-hmm. and like sometimes Johnny would like drive her up there. And, like a good shitty boyfriend. And and at one point he even like paid for an apartment for her. Oh wow! Well, All right, yeah. I take back everything With I said about Johnny. legged money. Good for Johnny, a leader of the proletariat. He, or he's whatever. Uh, breaking the law so his woman could be a star, oh. and that's fucking beautiful. That is that is beautiful. We love that. Yeah. Uh, she was also friends with gangsters when she was in New York, and um, and she was proper also proper comedian. And uh. I, loose, <laughs> I I use this term loosely. She was an escort. Uh, no one knows if she did anything besides being a company at dinner. Come on. I mean, she probably just was company at dinner, though. But it, it paid a hundred bucks a gig. Yeah, she was just company at dinner. <laughs> uh, this is a uh, hundred bucks a 
gig in 1875. This is this is also 1875 where. It didn't really, it like, I don't think that, it, like, okay. In my, it, this is my, I am just wildly theorizing here. But, like, to pay someone to be company at dinner, in my opinion, the only people that would do that would be somebody whose actual, you know, interests were not of, <coughs> the uh, like, not thin white women. So they needed arm candy. So she's probably going out with uh, like, she's like a, a high, she's a beard dudes. for hire. <laughs> yeah. For hire is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's, yeah, or like people be. who were dating black people or like whatever that wasn't, you know, that were in high society, but it wasn't, for sure. you know, seen as appropriate. All right. At one point <clears throat> when she was in New York at, or New York City and trying to get gigs, um, she got very, very sick with pneumonia and um, developed rheumatoid arthritis. Gang, gang. And she said she was very lucky because because she was so poor, she was able to see a doctor that was, like, very experimental, and they used her as a guinea pig. Mm. And uh, they used horse urine, and she got better. Mm. But she was on bed rest. Oh my god! Is that what ibuprofen? <laughs> Maybe is that a leave? They, they is still, a leave horse urine? They still use horse urine and medications. Today. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but uh, but she was like, she had to go home, and she was on bed rest for like two years. Jesus, goddamn. Yeah. But then, um, she starred in a play. At the Chautauqua Institute, which was near Jamestown, her hometown. And she got uh, small town famous. All right. So then she uh, started, like, modeling. And uh, she did a picture with some dogs. Ooh. And uh, Chesterfield Cigarettes was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it fits. It fits. I don't know what Chesterfield's whole brand was, but when I think Chesterfield, I think Lucille Ball for sure. I could go for a Chesterfield brand (laughs) right now, now, actually. (laughs) But um, yeah, they they ended up uh, using her as as their cigarette girl. Anyway, uh. She got employed, um, I guess it was like through them or by them to go to Hollywood uh, where she would be a showgirl, a Goldwyn girl. Oh. Yeah. Um, And I didn't write this down and I wish that I had, but it was for some (laughs) movie. (laughs) Oh, it was um something candles like Roman. Ca- oh, it was um sixteen candles. No, it was. Um, Did you say Roman candles? Roman scandals. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I'm d- I quit. I quit this fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah, she was like a a showgirl for the movie or show like musical show Roman scandals. <laughs> sorry, it was so funny. It is. Something candles. Roman anyway. candles. <laughs> Roman scandal. 
I hate you so much. Well, because when I heard it, I was like, I'll remember it that way. I, I was like driving. You know I what see. I mean? Yeah. yeah. All right. So she went to, to Hollywood to do Roman scandals uh, when she was 21. <laughs> she was 21 at this point. I love that out of context. Like She went to Hollywood to do Roman scandals as if her she herself was, was partaking perpetuating in the Roman, Roman scandals. scandals. Yeah. And I didn't quite understand too. what was going on at this point, but like they would like show off like the showgirls and uh like when it was her turn to like step forward as a gag, she would do things like um like she would put like red dots all over herself to make it look like um she had like infection like some like some disease mm-hmm. as Hilarious. a joke and then uh she or she would like blacken her teeth mm. like to be funny that's cute Classic. i bet the, yeah i I'm, wonder how I'm much about... i know the blackened teeth bit definitely made it into the show i wonder how many more of those well and i'm thinking of... about like an old-timey you know like the like a silent goofy kind of movies sure. and stuff yeah. and it's just like, like her just like Girl coming out, girl coming out, and then her like, wow, look yeah. at my black teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then like the guy that was like hosting, um, he would be like, oh, girl, you funny. You know? <laughs> right. Just like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, is they said like anytime that they needed a volunteer for anything, she'd be like, hell yeah, I'll do it. And one time they needed someone to put mud on their face. And one of the other girls said that, like, if she did that, then no one could see her face and they wouldn't know who she was. And she was like, bitch, no one knows who I am already. Mm. (laughs) I'll do blackface. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what it was. I I understand. Uh, Anyway. Uh, she ended up getting a seven-year contract with Columbia Pictures. Just for a little bit of blackface? Yeah. Hell yeah. A little mud let's, face. Let's not... Let's, yeah. It's, it wasn't... It was like getting a mud pie to the face. Are you worried that we're defaming the great name of Lucille Ball by pretending she did mud... Our blackface. I mean, I, I mean, don't... I assume that she at some point did do blackface. <laughs> yeah, because everyone did blackface. It was just what we did at the time, you know. I, I mean, I already have blackface. I wasn't doing it. There's I've so seen much, you wash it off. There are so many things that she did, and so much information about her. If she did blackface, I did not get to the point where I learned about it. Well, that's because they don't tell you because everybody. D- it's it, a it's suit just taken for granted. Yeah. So anyway, she put that down really hard. She's um, mad. She's getting belligerent. I am belligerent now. Um, <laughs> no, I'm drunk now, but I'm having a good time. Which is, great. <laughs> is that what that means? Is that what that word means? Belligerent. belligerent. Yeah, belligerent means having a good time. <laughs> I need. Well, I can't. I'm not gonna look it up because I don't want to lose my spot. But I want to look up what that word means. It means it, like angry. Oh, I'm not angry. Like, uh, aggressive. Not really aggressive, but like. Just a lot. You're doing, you're a, doing lot. a lot. Yeah. That's what it means. Do I seem angry to you right now? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. It's all in the head movements, honestly. All right, Bruce. <laughs> See, I did that on purpose. 
Uh, anyway. Bruce Banner looking ass. <laughs> That's the Hulk one. He's not hulking. Oh. But he's speaking from, like, I guess a particular movie i was just talking because, about the unbridled rage that's pent oh, up inside of well Stacey. i was thinking about edward norton <laughs> I, I mean yeah actually now that you bring it up hmm. the, the bruce banner looking ass okay. anyway so she got a seven-year contract with columbia pictures and uh so she started uh fixing up a house so that she could move her family to california with her because they had nice. all been separated and yeah the night that uh, she told her family that the house was ready and that they should come out to California. They all died? She got fired. Oh. Because they found out about the blackface. No, something happened in the company and they had to like fire all of their contract workers for some reason. They didn't have to do that. No. And also that same night she had a date. And I guess this guy, like, worked in the film industry as well. And when she went on her date, she was crying. And the dude was like, yo, what's up? And she was like... Just like that. Yeah. And she was like, I just got fired. And he was like, well, there's a showgirl audition down the street. Let's go do that. Right now. And she was like, I don't want to be a showgirl anymore. I've been doing that, and that's not what I want to do. Where's Johnny? He <laughs> wouldn't treat me like this. <clears throat> but he was like, well, you want to work, don't you? And she was that's like, a good yeah, point. I do. And so then they went to the audition, and she started working as a showgirl for RKO Productions. Mm, interesting. Which is the same... Uh, productions that made the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. Correct. Which I'm just saying that out of my own memory. Following in her career, she had small parts in like 75 different movies. God damn. Yeah. She was willing to do literally any kind of a role. She did some romantic, some musical comedy. Yeah. So she became a star in the minor leagues and she got the nickname Queen of B Pictures because <laughs> she was in not you know yeah the b pictures instead of like the a pictures right exactly so she met desi arnett's yay in a movie called too many girls (laughs) what are we gonna do with all these girls (laughs) this is far too many girls (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly that's what the movie is about um They were both in relationships at the time when they met, and Lucy uh, was engaged to someone. The very next day after she met Desi, she broke off her engagement. Oh, wow. And uh, Desi was also in a relationship with a girl who he called Freckles. He just cheated on her with Lucy. (laughs) Too many girls. (laughs) Uh, Eventually, they got married. They were the first public interracial couple. Yep. Why do you say yep like that? Because I knew that. Well, good for you. I just learned that. Jesus. (laughs) It's getting so aggressive. I'm sorry you don't keep up with (laughs) famous interracial couples. (laughs) I received the magazine monthly. (laughs) Desi Arnaz was a Cuban man, and Mm -hmm. he was the leader of a Cuban band in America. Cuban man and a Cuban band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he uh, was, like, traveling around the country, but uh, she wanted to get him off the road because he was, quote, 
slipping from his marriage vows. Oh. Mm-hmm. People like to fuck, dude. It's I, like, it just, it's yeah. like you know, people like to fuck. You know what? I just have to say right now, I have like a lot of interest in and respect for their relationship because like it it was more than just like oh you're cheating on me blah 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 i hate you like she got a lot from their relationship from like being around him and his personality and mm-hmm. everything yeah because like he was an entertainer she was an entertainer i'm yeah. sure like they fed each Dude, other and I, and I bet that they did bits on bits on bits like Oh yeah, I think it can. It's kind of obvious in the in the show that like whatever their home life was was probably very fun. Yeah, and you know, and they and they really did love each other. Yeah, but he just had some issues. Plus, he wasn't there all the time. She kind of got too old. This is, I guess, when she's like in her thirties now. Mm. Um, Do you mean when she was at her hottest? Felt right. She like she she kind of got too old to like. You're also at your hottest right now. I just want to put that out there. You're beautiful. I love you. you. You too, Jesse. Stacy, yeah. get it together. You're oh. Wait. <laughs> anyway, she was getting older, so now she has a face for radio. <laughs> yeah. So she starts doing a radio show called My Favorite Husband. Oh God, I hate that. I love it. I I I hope it's just. Like, <clears throat> like ten couples into a room, and then she just writes. she's like, "You're a bad husband. You're a great husband. You're my favorite husband." No, it's it's just a radio show where she's all like, "Stop leaving your socks on the floor," and he's like, "But that's where I can find them." You know, that's basically what the show is. Mm. Yeah. So then, radio started getting snuffed out by television. It killed the radio star. I heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 TV killed the radio star. Yep, that's that was song. that was the reference she was making. That was. Yeah. yeah, that's a good song. I liked it. I it was, love that song. It was on the Vice City soundtrack. Mm-hmm. One of the mm-hmm. bangingest video game soundtracks ah. ever made. I know that song because it is the song from the end credits of the Wedding Singer. Okay. Good for you. I we know it from Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Anyway, nobody wanted to actually be on television. Television was where people went when they couldn't be in movies anymore. Right. Yeah. So CBS approached Lucille Ball saying they wanted to make a show based off of My Favorite Husband, her radio show. Was Desi also on My Favorite Husband? Let's get there in a minute. Oh, oh. okay. They wanted so angry. to have Richard Denning as her co-star. And she said, yes, but only if Desi can play my co-star and not Richard Denning. Richard <laughs> so Denning. she said yes, yeah. but no. Yeah, Richard Denning was her co-star on the, she on the said, radio show. She said yes, but not like that. Yeah. <laughs> That was but she's making risk. sure the homies get paid, and we love that. I think she's here. just making sure her husband stays yeah. directly yeah, next yeah. to her, not on tour. Exactly, exactly what she was doing. Yeah, I, I see it. Doing. See the way. So okay, the way that I'm reading this behavior is like, ouchie, that's a bit problematic, and probably don't. You know, if your man don't want to stay, don't make him stay. But the way Stacey's reading this is like exactly as, as she you should. should. Um, but yeah, so then they were like, well, we need you more than we need Richard Denning. 
So yeah, because who the fuck even is that yeah. guy? I'm gonna look him Exa- up. Don't no, he? That was her, so much blackface. Don't do it. That was her co-star on My Favorite Husband, the radio show. Oh, Richard Denning was her co-star. Oh, that Richard Denning. Yeah, so they were like, "We want both of you," but then she was like, "No, not him. <laughs> I want my actual husband." And um. Oh God. Yeah, because okay. she and I, I put in my notes here because she wanted to get him off the road because they never got to see each other. But CBS was like, "Man, I don't know about that." So then, uh, then she and Desi did a vaudeville show together to make their case. Oh. Because CBS hated Desi. Because he was brown. They were like, what? The Cuban bongo player? And then their vaudeville show went real good. And so then they were like, yeah, okay, I guess he can be your husband. The next morning after the pilot episode of I Love Lucy aired, uh, people would say, did you see the show last night? Not, did you see I Love Lucy? Because everyone already knew what show they were talking about. Oh, uh, it says when she starts playing Lucy, she finally finds her character identity. Before that, she didn't really find any roles that would like fulfill like her full potential mm-hmm. as an entertainer. Yeah. I don't think that those roles really existed because she's such a physical, like does a lot of physical comedy and, you know, annoying for the sake of like, who the fuck was casting for that, yeah, <laughs> for she that was back like, then? Uh, she was like a proto-troll. Like, she was annoying because the being annoying was fucking funny. She was also, like, she was great in musical numbers, too. Like, she just did. She Everything. was such a multifaceted yeah, talent. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, there's no way she was going to find anything that actually, like... Yeah, in felt cult, creatively like, fulfilling or like her entire... utilized everything she was capable mm-hmm. of, for sure. Going off of what you guys said, I did not put this in my notes, but Fran Drescher said that... Another, we stand Fran Drescher here at the podcast, too. Absolutely, I absolutely fucking love that woman. The Nanny is also one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. But she took direct inspiration. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she said that when... Uh, when Lucy danced with this guy, whoever was on the show, um, she said that, that was like when she realized that like she was not only funny, but she was also like beautiful and elegant and like committed to the role and like very passionate. And Fran Drescher was like, that's when I realized that I also wanted to be an And actor. like that is, she is such a spiritual you know, successor to Fran Dresser. Because 100%. It is like uh, being annoying, uh, you know, for but the... Also sexy but also and sexy. hilarious. Put together, both of them, dressed to the motherfucking nines, like, mm-hmm. you know, all the time. Like, yeah. Uh, she was very involved with the writing of the show. Like, whatever the writers came up with, she would, like, yes and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Love she that. would go off of it and be like, okay, yeah, but, like, what if also... This happens. Hell yeah. Um, and she did, made. Did you just explain yes and? <laughs> <laughs> she also made ridiculous things seem almost possible mm. on her show. Um, before Lucy, beautiful women were not really allowed to be funny. It was just guys and women who the guys did not find threatening. Sure. Meaning not beautiful women. Yeah, plain. Also, the actor who played Fred Mertz was just himself 
in IRL. That I love that so much because he's kind of a piece of shit in the show. Yeah, such a curmudgeon yeah, and just I love like that for sure. such a naysayer. <laughs> kind of like who I've uh, strived to be as an adult. Honestly, same. He, yeah, he I was, say nay all the time. Yeah. Nay, fuck you. Nay. He, he was he was basically uh, he was typecast. Play. Love that. <laughs> That's the dream right That's there good. is to be typecast. It really is. Yeah. Ethel, however, did not want to be married to Fred. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> she wanted to be more glamorous and have a younger, better looking husband. I get that. Don't we all? I think it worked, though, so perfectly for the show. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't think the dynamic would be. Especially because Lucy's like so like eccentric and head in the clouds. Like mm-hmm. we can make all our dreams come true. And Ethel is like the loving, loyal friend yeah. who is like, She's the yes man. hey, She's let's go along with whatever. We can do this, but we got to rein it in yeah. a little bit. Like, or let's help you clean up your mess that you fucking made. Like the dynamic is I don't think it would have worked if she was more glamorous with like a younger no, definitely husband. Not. Mm-hmm. She had to be more grounded in comparison yes, to Lucy, absolutely. for sure. Uh, Desi actually became a producer on the show, and he would um, push to do things that haven't been done before. If people said they couldn't do something, he'd be like, why not? And they would say, because it's never been done before. And he'd be like, well, we'll be the first to do it. Mm-hmm. This came into play, especially when Lucy, in real life, became pregnant. Oh, yes, that's right. Because they had never had a pregnant woman on TV before, right? Mm-hmm. At this time in situational comedy, uh, married couples <laughs> slept in separate twin beds. That's right. Yeah, Dick Van Dyke. The marvelous yeah. Mrs. Maisel. That was okay. That it's new, but they also showed it in there where uh, uh, Mitch Maisel's parents—they had twin beds and they would have to push them together. It was very cute. My parents slept in. That's right. It's because they hated each other. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's. And if they had kids, you had to believe that it was immaculate conception. Yes. No one was allowed to say the word pregnant on TV. Because they couldn't pronounce it. It's too tricky. They Pregnant? Pregnant. Pregante. Prego. Pregant. Pregant. They had to say they were expecting. It was common practice that when an actress got pregnant in real life, she would be fired. Yeah. And that didn't even, like, what's weird about that, that shit didn't even go away. No, it still happens. Like, uh, I mean, it doesn't really happen unless, like, a lot. But it's still, like, it was still happening during, like, the Cosby show. Yeah. Which was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So they played around with the idea of, like, oh, maybe she can, like, sit behind a table or whatever. But Lucy and Desi were like, no, no, no. What if... 
Lucy's pregnant in this It's show. very funny, too. Like, think about, like, I remember those episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, she is very clearly pregnant. She is super duper fucking pregnant. There's no way you're going to be able to hide that shit. But, I mean, they do it. Like, they do it today. Like, they just frame them like big bags. That is true. All right. So then they do an episode where uh, she knows that she's pregnant, but Desi doesn't know. And uh, Desi's, like, singing to a ballroom full of people because in the show he's a musician. And he gets an anonymous request to sing a song um, called, I think it's called... uh, we're having a baby, my baby and me. Mm-hmm. And so he goes around singing to all of the different couples in the ballroom. It's such a cute episode. Yeah, I, I, like, I do know the scene. It's so cute. Okay. And uh, and he kind of, like, he acknowledges Lucy, and then he, like, moves on to, like, the next couple. But then he's like, oh, wait, shit. And then he looks back at Lucy, and she was, she was like, yeah, it's me. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm going to be a father. That's so cute. It was such a cute fucking episode, dude. And he says, "Uh, it's me. I'm going to be a father. I want you to meet my mother. I mean, my wife. (laughs) So it's it's funny as a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. We got it. (laughs) We've also seen it. It's like an iconic TV moment. Can I just say, as the person who's doing this story, yeah, I'm not that familiar with the show. That tracks. Yeah, no, that makes sense for you. All right. Yeah. Thank you. She was 42. <laughs> and still smoking hot. She was 42 Absolutely. years old when she was pregnant with her first child. Yeah. Yeah. And... because she had arthritis. Mm. That made her hot or that... She had her first all child. Of all of it, yeah. It's the pain that makes her sexy. It's the pain that makes it take longer for you to have a kid. That too. It's like, owie, 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 you know. <laughs> and she ended up in real life having her baby the the same day that the episode was there in which she had her baby. Aww. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Dwight. I actually don't know if I believe that. Yeah, I, I was going to say that sounds be, made like, up. That sounds like the something that CBS made up for yeah, sure. Yeah. I saw it in a documentary. Uh, Dwight. People don't Produced lie. by CBS. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. If our listeners want to know, they can do a deep dive. Isn't that our job? I'm doing my best here. All right, fair enough. I can't argue with that. As yeah, okay. I said, there's a lot. Um, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Oh, that's where he comes in. Come on, big boy. Got inaugurated. And the very next day, Lucy's baby story was from Page News. (laughs) 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 Fuck you. Dwight D. I did know that. Fuck you. All right, this dude in the the documentary that I watched about her, um, he said she was less of a feminist and more... An argument for why we needed feminists. That is the stupidest fucking yeah. thing I've ever heard. Did a man say that? A man. Yeah, a man yeah. absolutely said, said that. that. Um, An argument for why we... Shut up. Fuck. You Shut know, if we had feminism, up. she wouldn't need to be so uppity. <laughs> <laughs> he also said uh, on her show, 
She was an example for how much energy was wasted by putting women in a kitchen rather than doing something more interesting and productive. I don't see it. I don't like any of these comments because it's like, yeah, I guess I get what he's trying to say, but it's also like, I don't know if acts of service and feeding your family is necessarily necessarily wasted energy. Like, I like I, I I think they were so like the the argument of like uh, traditional women's work is still like labor and should be seen as such is so far beyond where these people are at though. Yeah, but this was a guy on a documentary recently. Oh, that's a good point. So like, what the <laughs> fuck are you saying? That's a true. I understand what he's saying in that we didn't let a lot of women shine or reach their full capabilities because because of these gender norms that we mm. set out. But even if you speak to like male entertainers or female entertainers. Uh, they they'll be like you know my mom was the funniest person like the the person that I, I got inspiration oh, from was yeah. this person that like so it's like can we quantify the output of people that way be oh she never reached her full potential because she was you know she was a homemaker but it's like okay but like but her her son became like a fucking world class physicist and some of that had to do with with her the being in that, the, he, in that, the home yeah. she made. Like, yeah. so I don't know. I don't know. I find that to be kind of gross. It's definitely super reductive for sure. Yes. Short sighted and icky. I don't like it. Okay. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. I feel because I feel like what you were saying was because ex woman was a housewife and raised her son right he became a doctor that's, that's what I not like you said that's not what well i think you maybe have only heard a second of what i said because <laughs> that's not what i said i am saying that the, the guy's argument it seems a bit reductive because we're we are undervaluing like what women do within the household that's it like uh, he's like undervaluing the labor that women do yeah. as homemakers and like that shit's important too like super important it keeps people fed it keeps people in sanitary environments it keeps children like cared for and so intelligent they, yeah like who do you think is working on the schoolwork with the kids yes i don't like that we gave women that role and told them they couldn't do anything else but i just think the way that that guy said what he said was reductive to the you know what women actually offered during that time i don't personally i just took it as like at that time we didn't really have people fighting as much for women's rights and what lucy did was like showing that women were capable of more right i agree that that's what he was trying to say i'm saying the way that he said it was reductive it's fine all right continue it is fine and i will continue <laughs> So eventually, Lucy and Desi owned the production company mm. that created I Love Lucy. Mm -hmm. mm. And it was like a whole lot of like studios. And they named it. Oh, Desi like Lou. a lot of studios, not 
a lot of studios. Mm. It was like a lot. It was One like studio that was a lot. <laughs> was there like are several studios. studios on one lot. Yes, gotcha. I, got, I got it now. It's a big deal. It was Hollywood. I didn't say... Whatever. We were laughing at the wordplay. Yeah, there. that was just a wordplay thing. I, I get Stacey it. Stacey don't drop bars. She don't get it. I do get it. <laughs> She'll I was never, just also she'll never write an ass in titties. Her rap game is weak, mm. dog. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they named it uh, Desi Lu Productions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah we were cute there. Name. We were there. It is a cute name. It's a good mm-hmm. name. They were the first uh, uh, Brad. What, what, uh, Bradgelina. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. It's exactly like that, except for like more successful together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, rumors started getting around that Lucy was a communist. Yeah. Based. Good. And the reason that people thought that... Is because her husband was Cuban. Exactly. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's actually not why. Oh, I'm shocked. It's because she was a communist? It's because her grandfather, his entire life had been a socialist based and he wanted his family to register as a communist as, uh, but eisenhower was president right we'll get there get there wait i i already got there yeah but this was, was during like mccarthyism yeah, yeah. he was pre- i already said that didn't yeah I? he was president yeah <laughs> vincent price also went through this it's really fucking sad like, what they I did to these I, people like, so many people went through that that's so stupid. And like for what? What did you get out of this? Nothing. Government? Nothing. Fucking nothing. In in reality, Lucy didn't really care at all about politics. No, she was probably like liberal for the time, right? But like probably. that was about it. Yeah. I don't think she was even liberal for, for the time. I she just think like, she just didn't give a fuck. She only cared about her acting career. She registered as a communist because her grandpa wanted her to. We'll Crazy. take it. And she didn't uh, vote except for in the primaries because she didn't have time to bother with anything else. Well, that's pretty much par for the course for most of America. Mm-hmm. That's par for the course for me. Anyway, I'm going to get back to my story. I don't think it's going to end. It'll end. It'll end. Trust me. She dies. She dies. <laughs> Are we going the entire distance to death? It's not that far. Okay. Anyway. Right around the corner. Away? Um, so okay. when people were all like, oh my gosh, she's a communist, uh, she was scared to go out and perform in front of a live studio audience because it was a situational comedy performed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> That's the third time she said it. Yeah, I know. I think it was the second. I said it two times. So then... Desi went out and gave a speech and he was like, yo, he, she's definitely not a communist. Because I am. <laughs> Never mind. Viva la Cuba. <laughs> and he said, I was kicked out of my own country because of communi- communism. And then that helped dissuade the rumors, apparently. So Lucy and Desi were presented to the world as being a happily married couple. But in real life, they were not. 
Oh, dun, shit. Dun, dun. Oh, shit. She said it helped to go to work and act like they were happy together, but she wanted to be a normal family. But her drive for work got in the way of that. So even though she had also, this... Also, Desi's drive for pussy. <laughs> so so even though she had this like ideal of like her real life family, her focus was always somewhere else. Mm. Plus, also, Desi was an alcoholic and be cheating on her all the time. Mm-mm. Yes, yes. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you, if that man don't want to stay, you, you, I just don't, don't, again, I don't like she tours, he tours, just like do the math. Yeah. Either don't, but it's like, but that's the thing. Like, like you were talking about, like, oh, she's, she seems like a little, like, for her day left leaning or whatever. But I'm like, I think that she leans into tradition and like Mm. what what she thought she was, she was supposed like, to she did to also be. was an advocate for like the queer community though and shit like that if i'm not mistaken uh-huh. like she definitely i think it's hard to be in showbiz and not be an advocate for the <laughs> queer community but yeah, this was at a time before this was this was still like a mental disorder not right like a... I, I but i do think that she was very stuck on tradition sure no i'll give you and, that too and was really trying to mold this man into being something that he wasn't going to be mm-hmm. and that sucks for her and I think a lot of women fall into I think a lot of women fall into that trap too because he gets no repercussions or ramifications for his actions like he she, died <laughs> don't we all <laughs> she has to try to keep the pieces together and you know ain't their marriage as like good or whatever and like he be out there cheating and doing whatever he wants to and she's putting in all of this labor to make like this mold of a happy you know happy family and happy life yeah because then she's just left being you know fucking virtuous and at home while he's out doing whatever he wants to do and there's no there's nothing she can do about that for sure like definitely there's nothing she can do about it uh fucking sucks like she can't step out of her marriage she literally cannot do that Mm. because that's tabloid that's like you know whatever but he can do whatever he wants to and that just stinks all right so anyway he be uh drinking and cheating and so then they uh, get a divorce. And that also ended the show, I Love Lucy. Mm. Tragic. But Lucy, owning the Desi Lou Productions, um, had to, uh, she tried to have some reprises to her show. Okay. Because she just wanted to be playing her character. You sure. Know? Um, so finally, she got a show called The Lucy Show. Ooh. And it was mostly just her and Ethel. And she and Ethel ended up, uh, like, between I Love Lucy and the, Ethel, or in the Lucy Show, uh, they had 25 years and 300 shows together. Damn. Mm-hmm. Huh? And then Lucy remarried 
to Gary Morton, and he was more reliable and stable than Desi. With a name like Gary Morton, he better be. <laughs> Desi was still a producer at their company, and he did not like Gary being around. <laughs> That sounds like a show in and of itself. He's a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Um, the One of the videos that I watched was entitled, She Liked Him, But She Did Not Love Him. And it was all about her Gary. And Gary. Yeah. All right. So Desi did not like Gary. Oh, I forgot to mention uh, Lucy gave Gary um, clap. a job on the show. <laughs> And so that's why Desi was all like, oh, man, I don't like this guy being around. Because they all work together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gary also played the bongos. I mean, I love Lucy, as we all do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she makes kind of bad decisions. For sure. Bitch, what right? are you doing? What right? are you doing? You got to think about the empire. You got to think about your legacy at this point. Yeah. Well, and she did because... She sold those commemorative plates. She bought... Desi's share of the company. Oh, hell yeah. She's girl bossing that shit. So now she was the girl boss over the whole company. But. She died? No, no. But she didn't really like that very much because then she had to like go to all these meetings and stuff. Mm. That sounds terrible. Yeah. And she didn't really want to do that. She just wanted to be an actor. A man, uh, uh, monologist. And then at one point, these people that. They were like, yo, can we shoot Star Trek here? And she was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> that happened. That's Star cool. Trek. What happened? You didn't say. <laughs> I literally Somebody asked you. if they could shoot Star Trek at the lot of studios. Oh, okay. And she said, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Was so it George that's, Lucas? That's actually pretty poetic, though, if you think about it, because uh, Lucy and Des were the first uh, interracial couple, and Star Trek had the first interracial kiss. That was on. That's know, true. That was on. That screen. is very true. Wait, that doesn't make any sense because Lucy and Desi kissed a lot on their show. It was black, white, interracial. Oh. The important one. Oh, Did okay. they kiss on the show? Yeah, they're, they're like all of the videos and things that I watched, they were always kissing. Okay, I'll have to take your word for it. Okay. But I thought I, it must be the first black and white interracial it kiss. It is the first black and white interracial kiss. Again, the also one that the mattered. the first green and white interracial kiss, Absolutely. which is far that more is groundbreaking. True. It is not more, weirdly enough, not more groundbreaking because our country is so racist <laughs> against black people. That, that was... That was fine. It was the reason why they did the black white interracial kiss is because they did the green and white interracial kiss, and people were like, "Map bar for the gores," and they were like, "You're not getting our fucking point." <laughs> All right. Um. So, I love Lucy ended because they got a divorce, um, and she ended up trying to reprise her show three different times. And she cast her real children as actors. Did I mention uh, that Lucy and Desi had two children, a boy and a girl, and they named them after themselves? I hate that. Yeah. I really, I'm starting to dislike Lucy and Paul. <laughs> I, yeah, we're definitely doing a follow-up to this. Okay. Um, I'm going to drag that bitch through the mud. 
It's the- mommy dearest ass fucking. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth reprise was called Life with Lucy. It lasted for eight episodes. Mm. And then it got canceled. Mm. They had a cast party where Lucy showed up late and the entire time she was just like wandering around and she was very sad and serious because she knew that that was the end of her career. Mind you, she was like in her 70s. At this seems time. like such a good run in Hollywood. And that's, that's I think that's the the biggest issue. That's the point of my story is that it was good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, at some point, uh Desi started AA. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Oh, he started attending AA. Yes. Not found. He didn't found it. No, no, no. He he started it. That's a wild story, in and of itself. Um, but he died. Um, I I was gonna say that I think one of people's like biggest, like one of the issues that like drives me crazy about people is their refusal to know when to stop, and it's like I feel like with Lucy. It's like she could have done so 30 much. 30 some odd years. But she could have done other shit. Like, oh, like sure. open up. Like, why did you try to reboot the show this many mm. fucking times? Oh, teach, she's already uh, teach, a legend at this Teach point. other people. Like, make appearances. Like, you literally could have continued to work without actually doing right. the show. But you didn't know what Like, she could stop. have at that point definitely, like, worked on offer only and just. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I'm saying. Like that's why this story was good. I feel. I feel like she didn't even know how good it was. All of the trailblazing, all of the things that she did. She like she could have had a really nice retirement and just done whatever she wanted, but she just had to keep going. She just loved playing the character of Lucy mm-hmm. so much that she felt like she had to keep it going. Yeah. And it's like, and she didn't even like necessarily get a chance to actually enjoy her, her output. So well, she's any- so terrified of like having her wealth taken away, like uh, her babushka back in the old country. Right. You know, so she had to keep working. But it's like, but she didn't though, because they had, they were good. She didn't have to stop making money, but it is a little sad that what she chose to do was to continue to try to revive the show and then try to like, recreate the success and then, of I and then it, as opposed it, to it the last iteration died in such a, a Peter, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just such a mm-hmm. a fizzle. Like so it's like by the time she got to that point, she didn't she didn't have any time to just sit down and reflect and think like, oh my God, I've, I've done. done all of these things. It's uh, my and last just, thing did not compare you know, to my first thing. And then just, you know, did a bunch of Larry King appearances and then fucking pieced out off this yeah. mortal coil. All right. So I had a couple of uh, conflicting notes on what happened here. Uh, but what I wrote down is it says she talked to Desi on what would have been their 47th wedding anniversary. And, um, you know, she was just like, oh, I love you. You know, like they were not not together, but they still mm-hmm. had this lifelong friendship and appreciation for each other. Also children. 
Yeah, and also children. And, and she was just like, oh, I love you. And he was like, I love you too. Good luck with your show. And then um, he died. And Good. it also says, this is my very last note of my whole story. Thank God. Uh, she was friends with Carol Burnett, who mm. was also... A legend. On reprises of her show. Mm-hmm. She was also a trailblazer for... Absolutely. Carol Burnett. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, you can definitely way. see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And every year that she knew Carol Burnett, she would send her flowers on her birthday. Oh. And she... Lucille Ball ended up dying on Carol Burnett's birthday. Jesus. And Carol Burnett said that afternoon she received the flowers after Lucy mm. had died. That's the end that's the end of my story. Alright. Damn. A legend. I'm absolutely I cannot wait to do cover this from the opposite angle i don't even want to know i'm gonna fucking it's gonna be great yeah i wish she wouldn't have tried so hard yeah and got so far and in the end nothing doesn't doesn't even matter matter. (laughs) (laughs) i understood that this week i'm gonna talk about a guy from seattle named ben foder uh foder foder like hoder foder like ben yeah you do Ben yeah, Fowder. Get yourself something to eat, too. Hi. My name is Ben Fowder. No, it's more like a uh, photo. That's that, it. That, problematic. That, that was my Hodor impression. Oh, I see. But I made it Fowder. That is problematic still. Yeah, it is. Uh, remember that time uh, they took that beloved character and they smashed his head in the door frame several times? It was really traumatic. Hold door. Hold door. Hold door. Should have held production. Jesus Christ, that show went downhill. <laughs> Dude, oh God, so bad, so bad. You know that's my next bad story. The downfall, the downfall of fucking of... Game of Thrones. Jesus fucking Christ. So Ben Fodor was born May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty eight, in Texas. Ben was given up for adoption at birth. Who? Ben Fodor. Ben Fodor. Ben okay. Fodor. All right. So Ben hopped around from foster home to foster home until he was about the age of nine when he was adopted by a couple in Seattle. Ben, along with his older foster brother, developed a love for martial arts and decided to go into MMA when they got into a little bit older. And he was actually really good at it. As an amateur, he, he sported a record of 15-2, and two, which is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is, that re- is that the reaction you have to... Yeah, uh, yeah. To I either sneeze or I don't. All right? I and this, not- I did not sneeze at. I have no inclination to sneeze. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, As Ben got older, though, life would naturally get in the way of his aspirations. You know, he had two kids, and he decided to take a steady job He couldn't fight them. No, he could not. No, they took his ass down. Um, He decided to take a job working at a daycare for children with cognitive impairments. Hell yeah, he did. And uh, he was also really good at that. He Hmm. developed really uh, deep connections with these kids, and life carried on for Ben. Um, Ben there. <laughs> Are we just we're what? just interrupting each other with stupid this shit is, now? This huh? is it. This is the podcast. 
I have. I know, I understand that experience. Anyway, go on. True that. Uh, so life carried on for Penn. He raised his chi- children. He developed close bonds with his kids he's worked with. And he, uh, he clearly had a strong sense of family and wanting to help people. And like I said, he was, he was good at those things. Um, but one day on his way to work, he was taking his kid into uh, daycare before he went to work himself. And he found his car had been broken into. His son oh. fell into the glass, yeah. right? Oh, no. And he cut himself. Wait. So... Why did his we'll son... get into that. We what? will get into that. That doesn't make any damn sense. I know. Sense. I know it doesn't. Uh, and we will get to that. But his kid allegedly fell into the glass, right? And so he snatched up his kid along with a ski mask that he found lying on top of the glass there. And he rushed his kid to the ER. Um, later on, when he got home, he was talking to some of his neighbors to see if they had seen anything. And apparently... A bunch of them had seen something and decided not to do or say anything about it. And that pissed Ben off. Okay. Um, so Ben's had a rough week, right? At the end mm-hmm. of the week, he's decided, uh, I'm going to go out to the club with the homies. Oh, yeah. And blow off some steam. Oh, yeah. But Ben steps out to grab some air when he hears a street fight. And he rushes over to see one of his friends getting the absolute shit kicked out of him. Right? Mm-hmm. Dude's mm-hmm. just getting his shit pushed in. And, uh, again... People are just standing around and nobody's helping. And it was these two events that caused Ben to take that mask he found and don it. Oh my God, he becomes a vigilante? And he becomes a vigilante by the name of Phoenix Jones. Oh God. (laughs) And he starts fighting crime. Was was Fodor a nigga? Yes. Yes. And uh, do you want to (laughs) know the name he fought under? was uh, something like uh, Fear the Flat Top, and he had, like, a flat no. top. <laughs> I, I wrote that down specifically for you. I'm so glad you asked about it. Uh, so that's when nobody cared before he put on the mask, you know? It's it rough. It's rough out there. He, uh, he So he put on the mask. Uh, he also spent uh, thousands of dollars on a bullet-slash-stab-proof suit, super suit, he also carried around a stun baton and some two million Scoville pepper spray. Um, Ben's early days were super rough going. Not knowing what to do, he spent most of his time just kind of like lurking Perched on rooftops. Perched on a rooftop? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, uh, <clears throat> he did this for nights with no action. One night he finally spotted a mugging. And as the two men made off with the woman's purse, Ben was still making his way down the fire escape. Um, by the time he made it to her, the victim, like the criminals were long gone and she chewed him the fuck out. She's like, what the fuck are you doing running down fire escapes? You did not help me at all. Go home. Yeah, you were too high up in the purchase. He also uh, purchased a grappling gun, which he told a homie about and he was promptly ridiculed for. Uh, the friend was quoted saying, what the fuck are you going to do? Glide down. You're not even going to have time to open a parachute. Get your shit together. He also purchased a net gun, which he used one time, fired off, and then got caught in the net. <laughs> and a cop showed up and laughed at him and took several pictures before helping him out oh, of the no. net. Um, as time went on, though, Ben started to perfect his technique. He put together a pseudo-citizen's watch who would report crimes directly to him instead of the police. At the time, the police in Seattle had a dirt-poor rating. 
according to like different watchdog groups. Yeah. So it makes sense that they. Yeah, are, it's a bunch of fucking yeah. like commies over uh, there. Exactly. Um, he also had a computer installed in his car so we could like keep track of these reports. Right. He was he was doing the damn thing. He started walking regular beats and building relationships with the community. And as he did all this stuff, he prevented crimes. And as he prevented more crimes, the media started to actually pay attention to this dude Mm -hmm. to the point where he was featured on various local and national news outlets, including Good Morning America. Reminds me of the movie Super. Is that the one with Rain Wilson? Exactly. That's really funny that you bring up that movie because Phoenix Jones, I if I'm not mistaken. okay, so he was definitely involved in promotion. Rain Wilson did a bunch of like promotional material with Phoenix Jones. If I'm and if I'm not mistaken, he was also a consultant for the film. Mm. It's really funny that you bring up that movie. Uh, Jones was not without controversy, however. In October of 2011, Jones spotted a fistfight under a bridge, which he broke up using pepper spray. When police arrived on the scene, however, they determined there was no fight. According to them, a group of friends were dancing under a bridge, uh, and Jones had mistaken this for a fistfight, rushed in, pepper sprayed the whole group, uh, and he was arrested on the scene. It's really hard when you're perched on a rooftop to see... You know, yeah. fight can look like a dance. It's true. And a dance can, can look, look like, like a, a fight, fight you, know? you know? Thank God Batman was not around for West Side Story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because that like, would have been tough. Or like those flash mobs they yeah. did in the 90s. Or like uh, fucking Johnny and Lucille, you yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. It could have been Come terrible. on, Johnny. <laughs> he just swoops in and just beats the shit out of the both of them. Well, he was a criminal, though. Johnny yeah. was Johnny a criminal. Johnny was absolutely a criminal. <laughs> fucking bootlegging scum. Callbacks. Uh, thank you, Stacey. That's how you know she's a real comedian. That's what I'm here for. Police determined that Jones was mistaken, right? And he was arrested on the spot. Mm-hmm. However... Jones had been being followed at the time was being followed by a documentary crew and they caught footage that determined that they were in fact fighting and all charges were dropped against Jones. (gasps) Interesting. However, (laughs) they had also backed Phoenix Jones into a wall. At this point, he was still maintaining a secret identity. These chips are stale. But this was about to become public record, right? So Ben Fodor decided right then and there to give a... uh, super cringe press conference where he like walked out of the courthouse in full costume and he goes uh so there's one thing i want to do today and he just takes off his mask and he goes uh i'm phoenix jones uh my name is also ben Fodor. uh i'm also a brother and i also protect the city he called himself a brother (laughs) yeah he will because he has a brother not not like a brother like a brother you can please cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> the brother of who? It's his brother. Oh, he, oh, it's the saddest way of being like I have a, 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 do- I have I have daughters a yeah. and a family. Yes, um, I'm a husband he and a father. I don't think he mentioned. But he I don't think he mentioned the fact that he was a father. Oh, is he a father? He should have. Oh, yeah, he, he has a father two kids because he fell through the glass. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. He yes. should have said that first. Um. However, this gave Ben's platform a much-needed boost. Uh, I don't know more, if he needed well, the boost. He needed it. Uh, he he's, went on to become... He's breaking up petty fights in alleyways. Like, well, we he has boost? bigger aspirations, Lynette. And we'll get to those. He has one stun gun and a net. Well, like, he wants an army. And he'll get one. Okay. 
that's, the main streets of Seattle. That's called foreshadowing, Seattle. Stacey. Seattle. Seattle. And the Rand City. That's, maybe niggas don't even live in Seattle. Maybe like, brother, be why are you there? Some kind of superhero movement in the Rain City. Who knows? But we'll get there. I bet he really profited off of like a cab. <laughs> you know what? We will actually get there too. <laughs> okay. Uh, he uh, from there he went on to become a guest on Fox News, where he debated a lawyer on whether or not it was okay to do what he does. And he was also featured on Dr. Drew's daytime show that I did not know existed. Yeah, Dr. Drew has a daytime show. It's full of... Uh, not anymore, he does not. Medicinal kooky bullshit. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Ooh. Him hawking uh, fucking yes. pills and fucking, shit. What a I want to talk about Dr. Drew, too. Uh, yeah, and Phil. You know, all mm-hmm. the motherfucking all the doctors. TV doctors. Oz, we'll get them all. Yeah, I'm coming for your motherfucking the head. doctors, that show, the, the show, doctors. The doctors, yeah. yeah. Nah, nigga, I'm coming for all y'all. House? No. You, we protect Hugh Laurie at all costs. You know what? He could have saved you from the lupus, but he didn't. He he didn't even think I had it. He doesn't believe it's real. <laughs> Is it curable? No. I didn't think so. No, it's going to kill it's her It's an one autoimmune day. disease, and that's not how that works. I know. It'll be something else that kills you. Exactly. <laughs> It'll be a Lupus, cold. the silent killer. <laughs> so... Uh, ben uh, used his exposure to uh, reach out to create his own super team. Uh, a whack-ass Justice League, if you will. I love it. Who's their man on the man in the chair? That's who I want to know about. What do you mean, the man in the chair? The man in the chair. Who is, what's, I don't get that reference. You're oh. not even a fucking nerd. I Look don't, at you. I'm a weeb. Sitting the, here. The one who doesn't do anything but sits in a chair and tells everyone else what to do, uh, Well, right? that would be his girlfriend, Purple Rain. She, she's on the computer? Yeah. She's, yeah, the that's team's, the man in the chair. The, she's the, the team's oracle. That's it's how crazy they that Stacy knew what a man in the chair was. You didn't know what a man in a chair was. I did not. I just went off of context clues. See, and it's sta- it's crazy that Stacy pretends like she goes off context clues ever when Stacy is the queen of not context yeah, yeah, clues. Having no context for any situation ever. All right, so the team, which was called the Rain City Superhero Movement, was made up of 10 members. I just want to highlight a few. We've already talked about Purple Rain. She managed intelligence. She operated the, uh, she like listened into like police radios and shit like that. Um, and she also dated Phoenix Jones. Uh, but there was also Red Dragon, a white guy dressed as a ninja for some Can reason. Can I ask, who the fuck was taking care of the kids? Uh, I hope they was I with their mother. I have no mother. fucking idea, but let me do this bit real and quick. And I bet Purple Rain was a white woman. Uh, 100%, she? but it's spelled R-E-I-G-N. Like, you not, don't get to do that. Prince no. ain't asked for that. He was not okay with whatever you had going on. Very true. Rude. Uh, there was also Red Dragon, a white guy dressed as a ninja for some reason. But also, I'm and sorry. there was also El Caballero, a white guy dressed as a luchador for some reason. Okay, love that. I hate it. I really hate it. But like, also, I will like to say, Purple Rain is a pretty bad. It's a pretty superhero great yeah, for sure. name, especially if it was for like a, I, a black say, woman with a purple afro. I want to put absolutely she, would Purple love Rain. That. Uh, uh, throughout her time with the Rain City superhero movement and beyond. Uh, did some really, really great work um, raising awareness for and helping combat uh, domestic abuse. And she even uh, went on to receive like a, like a special recognition from like uh, Washington University for the work she did in the area. That's good, but she should have been a black woman. For sure, 100%. Like, she should try harder next time. There's this great clip of them 
harassing some brown person on the street and uh, he's very drunk and uh, he was probably a little out of pocket when they stopped him, whatever. But he, at some point, he like he confronts El Caballero about the thing, and he's like, "Why are you disrespecting my people like that?" And he's just like, "What? What are you talking about?" Like, and even after like the dude explains himself, he's still like, just like, "Dude, this is so Seattle." Yeah, for like, sure. Like, oh, God, um, your people. Wanted, they did manifest destiny again do some good work they uh, stopped people from they stopped a group of dudes from robbing a blind man they stopped some carjackings they uh at, at, this is one of my this is my all-time favorite video they aided in apprehending a sex offender at a nightclub in this video uh they are doing one of their night troop nightly patrols and all of a sudden uh they hear this woman screaming. So they run over in that direction. It's a woman at a nightclub screaming, pervert, pervert, pervert. If Phoenix Jones rolls on the scene, he's like, what the fuck happened? And she points at this dude and she goes, that guy whipped out his dick and screamed helicopter dick. and just started swinging his dick in a circle. (laughs) Phoenix Jones drags dude off by the ear and like, just holds him there until the cops come. And it was uh, entertaining as fuck all around. Highly recommend you watch Phoenix Jones YouTube channel. Okay. All right. And this uh, man is getting on my nerves. <laughs> um, however, uh, Jones also claims to have stopped uh, some anarchists from bombing the courthouse during May Day protests. May Day protests are like labor rights protests that yeah, happen y- yeah. annually. What um, a piece of shit. However, most media outlets just reported that Jones Peppers prayed some black block protesters. <laughs> they don't mention anything about a bomb. Yeah. And, um, and even if there were, like, I mean, oh, my God, okay. However. Goofy fucking clown. The inevitable would eventually catch up with Jones and Co. On April 22nd, 2012, Jones was, was, was responding to what sounded like gunshots. While Jones was chasing a man he suspected to be the shooter, a 21-year-old girl by the name of Nicole Westbrook lay dying in the street after being struck by a bullet. Um, the bullet was fired by the, or the bullet was intended for the very man that Jones was chasing. Nicole bled for nearly half an hour before the first responders arrived. Nicole was pronounced dead on the scene, and the shooter was never caught. The events of that night uh, were detailed in Phoenix Jones' uh, nightly patrol reports, which were eventually turned into a self-published comic and sold at Comic-Con. And it was reportedly really well-received until people started to realize that, you know, this sounds like a true story, and they did a little bit of poking around. Uh, and then Jones was asked to leave Comic-Con. Uh, Nicole's sister, however, did defend the comic book, hoping that maybe by some chance it would help solve the crime. Solve, yeah. Right, but people were pissed off that he was, like, profiting off the death of somebody. And I, I want to say this. I don't really see, like, this is a self-published comic book. There's no way he sold enough fucking issues to cover the cost. I don't know if it's, ne- like, that's not even the part that, like, kind of like, pisses me off mm-hmm. i think it mostly the part that pisses me off is that he chased this dude away the bullet was meant for this guy mm-hmm. and this guy was never caught and it's like maybe if you hadn't have intervened yeah this guy would have been for fucking sure. caught yeah. because like because police definitely followed him after this guy instead of the car the that sped off. person who had actually, yeah. um, you know, you know committed if he had, well, this crime. And, like, I'm not, like, I, like I can't even put, like, necessarily put, but it's also, like, 
like fucking a cab for life fuck the police like absolutely but also uh you guy just don't have the resources or the training intuition know it all to be doing the thing that you're fucking doing so like definitely like maybe you're just impeding (laughs) like privatized police which is essentially what this guy wants to be right is not the answer um Anyway, uh, oh God, all right. Regardless of how you feel, I feel kind of icky about the whole thing too, but regardless, uh, the Westbrook murder definitely had a profound impact on Jones. Um, he never stopped using his platform to try and find her murderer, um, but it definitely also had like a noticeable impact on him as a person and how he operated well yeah because shit got real yeah because you're not you're not you're like but that's the thing like i it's fine it's all fun and games when you're going after petty criminals somebody taking right somebody taking somebody's purse or whatever but like now somebody somebody has legitimately died Mm. and it's like okay now now it's not cute not long after the murder like it clearly had an effect on on him and uh, the it changed the way he operated in a way that would go on to affect the rest of the Rain City superhero movement. Mm-hmm. Um, in late October, early November, Jones made headlines again when a clip of him goes viral. In the clip, Jones stops a belligerent man uh, who obviously becomes more belligerent because he's mm-hmm. being confronted by a masked yes, man, yes, yes. right? And Jones challenge his, uh, challenges him to what's called mutual combat, uh, and this is uh, only allowed in two states, Washington being one of them, is where if two adults <laughs> agree to a fist fight, they can just do that. And it's So fine. then how the fuck is it justified for that nigga to have stopped the, the fight that happened before when the people were saying that because they were just dancing and not clip, fighting? Jones says, well, Washington's a mutual combat state. If you agree to a fist fight, uh, we can do that. And the dude says, let's go. And there's also a cop there to supervise, which is an, is an important so part. It's fucking so ridiculous. Stupid. He beats the ever-living shit out of this. Dude, you can uh, hear the moment when he realizes he fucked up by agreeing to fight Jones. Because, like, Jones does the MMA shit where he, like, does, like, a leg, leg sweep and he starts, like, weaving around. And the guy goes, oh, oh, and he's, like, barely even. <laughs> it's fucking wild. Um, fucking Andrew Tate. <laughs> so this happened. This was... Yeah reported on as early as uh november 9th that was the earliest um report i could find on it like in any sort of publication on november 19th purple rain announces that she is divorcing phoenix jones and she's also leaving the rain city superhero movement in her announcement she said that she would not address their personal life and that she would also not comment on any of the controversies what controversies you might be asking? Yes, I am asking. Well, rumors had been bubbling that Jones had been targeting people that were way too fucking drunk to know what fucking planet they were on, let alone yeah. consent to, yeah. you know, fist fighting mm-hmm. an MMA fighter. Um, on top of that, people were also starting to accuse Jones of... Okay, so at some point he changed the rules of the Rain City superhero movement so that any member who wanted to join had to pay him, I think $87 to buy a flak jacket as well. I think as $20 a month for rude. 
$87 for a flak jacket as well as $20 a month for life insurance. Or, I'm sorry, health insurance. Of course, Jones never provided any flak jackets or proof of health insurance. Um, and that's not even how much health insurance no, costs, my big well, doc. Well, apparently, and that's also not how much flak jackets cost. And it's cost. like Seattle. The health insurance is probably free. The yeah, fucking, definitely. Fucking socialist utopia. Um, in December of 2013, all of this comes to life when Rain City superhero movement Shockwave publicly calls out Jones on Facebook. And I just want to read part of that real quick. Yeah, let's go. Um, quote, this is from Shockwave. I'd like to said, shed some light on... Th- I'd like to shed light on the people Phoenix Jones claims are criminals. Phoenix Jones patrols are always in front of bars or alleys behind bars. Phoenix Jones preys on people who are exiting bars drunk and unable to function normally because they are impaired by alcohol. These are... God damn it. My computer's bugging. All right. Uh, these are... Normally, wait, unable to function normally because they are impaired by alcohol. These are normal citizens out to have fun and get drunk and make a few poor decisions, but are generally good people. But yes, from time to time, Phoenix Jones finds a fight, maybe an actual criminal, but mostly just impaired people. Case in point, the Phoenix Jones mutual combat video. Clearly, the guy and his friend are impaired by alcohol, and when Phoenix Jones decides to take them on in a, fair, in a fight, it is clearly not a fair fight. Would MMA allow one fighter to be drunk while the other is sober for a fight? Think about it. Those guys, if those guys had been sober, would that have happened? South Seattle has true c- crime like Rainer Avenue and Martin Luther King Jr. way, but you won't find Phoenix Jones down there fighting real drug dealers and crimes and gang members. Because he won't because he's a little bitch he's living a out a little, little fucking bitch. fantasy. Right. What a little fucking bitch. And like, yeah, that's what I thought as soon as you brought this little bitch ass nigga up because because you're out here lurking on top of motherfucking, you know, fucking buildings and shit mm-hmm. perched up like trying to save bitches from getting their purses snatched. And it's like, is that the real crime? Mm-hmm. What's $40 in your credit card information? You can cut that shit off. It's not that big of a fucking Definitely. deal. You cannot tell me there's not extra shit going on that you just too much of a bitch to fucking handle. But you're but you're proclaiming yourself as a motherfucking superhero. But who the fuck is you protecting? He's fucking harassing a perceived bomb threat that was not actually. There's literally videos of him planting like or planning sting operations for fucking weed dealers. Like a a self-important because like dude is is just in it for. The glory of, like, I can be a fucking vigilante. Mm -hmm. And that's just because niggas didn't talk to you in high school and nobody fucked with you because he was a lame-ass piece of shit. he's actually for a little bit more than the glory. And we'll get there. Okay. Um, So, um, and that was pretty much the end of the Rain City superhero movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Phoenix Jones would uh, publicly announce the dissolution uh, just a few months later. Some members would go on to carry on solo. Others would form their own groups. Jones, however, would go on to use his notoriety slash infamy to finally launch his professional MMA career. Uh, while continuing his patrols on the side, uh, he was at this point kind of honestly mid. He he did pretty well. 
nothing. His record. It's crazy to me. He didn't go for like WWE. I know, right? That seems. What does MMA stand for? uh, Mixed martial arts. Um, So I think, I think fight fans, regardless of whether or not they're into professional wrestling, whether or not they're into MMA, whatever they enjoy, character and Phoenix Jones provided that he started wrestling under the moniker Phoenix Jones. So then I, that's why I'm like I just because I I think that's its own skill set at the end of the day. Uh, I do, I do believe, but it's I do believe you, but it's like, you know, he clearly picked people who were not, you know, um, on his level physically to act out this fucking nonsense. Mm -hmm. And then he also clearly had, like, you know, thoughts and and dreams of being, like, a hero or whatever. At the end of the day, he was better than an amateur, but not good enough to Exactly. So, like, all of those things lend themselves to being... In WWE, yeah, they'll I teach you how to fucking this act. In just a slightly you know? different direction, he would. If he wasn't so self-serious, yes. he could. He would probably have done. And and I feel like if he would have done the WWE, like he would have gotten fucking huge, huge. One hundred percent. He continues nice. doing his patrols, right? And as he does so, his behavior becomes more and more erratic. He shows up at a friend's house, and I'm pretty sure I'm not positive on this. Um, but I'm pretty sure that friend was also a former member of the Rain City superhero movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just threat, straight up threatened to kill this dude uh, f- for hitting on his girlfriend. Now, when I watched the body cam ver- footage, when they came to interview this friend of his, it sounded a lot like uh, Purple Rain. Um, and in the interview, uh, or when, when the cops interviewed him, he was saying, so the dude was like, uh, so I hit on an ex-girlfriend of his and he didn't like that, so he showed up threatening to kill him. And the woman that was talking in the background sounded a lot like Purple Rain. Uh-huh. But this is all speculation. Yeah. Um, but it's like, he, how many goofy bitches are going to be yeah, in definitely, for all for of sure. this fucking nonsense? Um, yeah. In February, or on February 11th of 2016, Jones also pl- tweets to the Seattle PD that he had just knocked a man out and left him on the side of the road uh, because he caught the man punching... Uh, a car with a woman and child inside. Oh, uh, and he, he reported, caught the man punching a car. Yeah, so it was a, apparently a road rage incident, and he was just punching this woman's car. And Jones got out of his car and knocked him the fuck out and just left him on the side of the road. Tweeted to Seattle PD. Right, he also left his business card with the man, but his business card was just a headshot with his lawyer's phone number written on the back. Good grief. Okay, his uh, poor lawyer. <laughs> and then Fodor. Uh, faded into relative obscurity until like 20- I'm sorry that was the last like that was well hold up no I mean like before he faded into obscurity uh, he, he makes, left his calling card he makes him, one more big appearance in. in the media okay and then one slightly smaller yeah uh, he fades into relative obscurity uh, until 2020 when he was arrested for trying to sell cocaine and MDMA to an undercover cop are you fucking kidding I'm me? dead serious um, when the cops were doing the sting, one of them pretended to be a girl and was texting him like oh stuff God. like, Oh my God, you're a superhero. That's so hot. And he sold this fucking cop mom. <laughs> um, he was also uh, during the George Floyd protests spotted at the Capitol Hill occupied zone where all those white people had just like uh, taken Been over. white people. Yeah. 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 Uh, he was spotted there trying to uh, keep things under control. Oh, God. And that is the story of Phoenix Jones, which I think this proves that you either die a hero 
or you live long enough for everyone to realize you were kind of an asshole the entire time. Yeah, because, like, yeah. you know, it is, it is uh, stupid and interesting to me. Like, it, any anyone who puts themselves up to this particular task of, like, defending, you know, mm. their community or whatever are just self-important fucking douchebags. Yes. Yeah. So they're was also this other subsect of heroes at the time who were just cosplaying and going out to feed the homeless and shit, right? And, like, helping Based. people Based. push their car when they were and, out of gas. And that like, is the thing. It's like, But he what? was hypercritical of these people. Of course. He, he was like, oh, you're just, if you're going out to feed the homeless in a costume, you're just a glorified sandwich handler. Like, okay. bro, like, what but the it's fuck like, are what you is doing? doing the most amount of good? Right. Because you're just beating up drunk people in an alley. Or you like fucking going piece out of to shit. harass dudes just selling weed to feed their family. Like, he had a uh, hyper focus. And, and you live it in Seattle. You weed. fucking asshole. And he had Everyone... he had this hyper focus on drug dealers in particular, yeah. which kind of makes me wonder if maybe that's why, or at least that's he was told that's why his parents gave him up for adoption was drugs. I'm just trying to like maybe connect I, okay, some dots here. That could be, you know, but, but, not that it really matters. But I would but, say the alternative to that uh, theory would be my theory that it was it was drug dealers because drug dealers are notoriously like not really in it to win it. You're not dealing with like criminal criminals you yeah. know what i mean you're not stopping you're dealing with some fucking schmuck who you're just dealing high. with some nigga that hangs out in front of gas stations yeah. asking for lucy cigarettes yes so like it's like yeah I, I like i think that maybe it's because those were the people he felt like he could beat yeah like those were the that people was, he had an easy time tricking into into like selling weed to a dude who clearly had a GoPro stuck like, to his chest, like a goading into this fucking interaction. Mm-hmm. Like it was just a low hanging fruit. Definitely, like fuck this guy, fuck this guy, and fuck anybody like him. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot stand the whole vigilante. Like like. Unless you're driving, it, unless you're it. driving a homemade tank, like, in which case that's okay. We like, do stay do, in that around. Like, do it big or do it none. Like, what? Because you didn't have, he didn't even have, like, a goal. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're going to be uh, cognizant of the issues that happen today, you're low, lo- like, uh, it, like a modicum of research will mm-hmm. let you know that your low level drug dealer is not the fucking issue. No. Right? Definitely. And, like, you feel powerless to change. Any of the bigger systems, right? Because you can't do anything about the systemic issues that create the drug dealer in the first place. Correct. So it's like, okay, like I understand you feeling fucking powerless, but then to then pursue these low level people who are just just trying to fucking make it in the world, mm-hmm. like you're just a dick. Yeah, then. you're 100%. a dick because I know that if you did any amount of like research or you know understood the problem a- at all then you, this is not the people yeah, that you'd definitely. be going after. You'd be going full Punisher and going after the cops. The not- fact, Yeah, the fact that you're doing what you're doing shows me that it's just so you can have some fucking clout, man. Yeah. Fuck that guy. It was definitely 100% fuck about, like, it was a guy. power play for Anyway, how the fuck did this baby fall through the damn glass? See, I don't I think... I'm truly trying to understand. I don't think that happened. I don't, I think... It was just a backstory. It was just I a backstory. I think he made up a lot of this shit. yeah. A lot of the uh, like he wanted to be a Bruce Wayne, but really he's really he's really a they joker. Alleged, allegedly did. I could find 
no evidence for mm-hmm. other than like uh, he harassed some people. Like that's yeah. the only thing that's on record. Now, yeah. is that because the cops were just out to get him and he was actually Absolutely harassing not. people? Absolutely not. Or was he harassing people? Or is it a mixture of the two? Nah, I think, I think it's mostly I mostly think he that he just was just harassing people. He just sucks, dude. Uh, he just sucks. And he was a bitch. And he wouldn't actually go up against anybody that had any amount of... Because like, 100%. Because, like, if you... Okay, so, like, back to my story. Eight people were killed mm-hmm. over a just, like... Of one baggy because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time for being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Exactly, it's like this dude is actually actively seeking out people to fucking go up against, and this nigga is completely fine. And it's like, why? Oh, all he had to do was look towards the governor of Arkansas. It's because exactly, it's because he wasn't actually about that fucking life. Mm. He wasn't about that life. Definitely not. It was it was low level. Uh, Sean, the white guy in the NC fucking (laughs) fucking T-shirt that he was going after. Like, not anybody that was about that life. For real, for real. I found I love nobody that was after him. They didn't think of him as a fucking threat. No, like, what was he doing? Police, other than, like, he's going to get somebody killed. That's the only threat that was there. Exactly. Right? Like, and he they was were 100%. This yeah. is one of the few times where, like, yeah, the police were 100% right. Leave this shit to them. Right? Like, I yeah. don't know. Uh, I, I found that story really interesting because it didn't matter what I pulled from the hat. <laughs> like it was uh, equal parts good, bad, and funny. Yeah, no, I and agree. That's a fucking I agree. gem. That was very, that was very good. And we're gonna end it at that. You've <laughs> been listening to the good, the bad, and the funny. The good, the bad, and the funny is hosted by Jesse McIntyre, Lynette Thomas, and Stacy Stark. Intro music by Jared Scott. If you want more the good, the bad, and the funny, you can follow us on Facebook at the good, the bad, and the funny. And if you have any story suggestions or any stories about deer or squirrels you saw recently, you can email us at good, bad, or funny at gmail.com. Everybody say bye! Bye! bye. You've been right. listening to The Good, The Bad, and The Funny, the only pod... Fuck me in the cunt. Mm. Take yeah. two. That's the only way I'd fuck you. <laughs> That's the only way I, <laughs> only way I, I want to be 